You're listening to the Electronic Media Collective Podcast Network. Yeah, it's a mouthful. For more great shows like the one you're about to enjoy, visit electronicmediacollective.com. And now, our feature presentation. The following program is rated TV-MA-LSV. It contains strong language, sexual situations, violence, and nudity. It is intended only for mature audiences. Sitcoms, staple of 80s television programming. And they say that laughter is the best medicine. But John Bon Jovi said, sometimes bad medicine is what you need. So we're going to talk about them all. The good, the bad, and the ones that Corey cannot remember. So come and knock on our door. Because as long as we've got each other, we've got the world spinning right in our hands. What would you do, baby, without us? Here at the Power Hour. Sha-la-la-la. You tell Tom Selleck, kiss our ass. We play what we want. Hey there, how's it going? Welcome back to another wonderful episode of the Retro Renegades Pop Culture Power. I'm Mikey. I'm Corey. And uh, we've, we've been away for a couple weeks. Yeah, we're just scheduling and... what? Yeah, what the hell was it? Like... We were both exhausted. Exhausted from working out. We both work outside. Yeah. And with the heat we've had, we were just like, you know what? We're not doing anything this weekend. Yeah, we just laid in bed and didn't do shit. No. So not together. We didn't lay in bed together. We, yes, we did. Oh, okay. <laughs> Don't let them that, fool you. Folks. That would not do anything to help cool off, because I I think we're both like little heaters in yeah. bed. So. I mean, I know I have, like, three fans blowing on me at night. Yeah, I've got a fan, and I've got my air conditioner turned down. You could hang meat in my house. That's what I, That's my goal, but nobody else will let me do that. Yeah, well, that's why I live by myself. Yeah. Yeah, that works out. Tessie doesn't seem to mind. The dog's, no. the dog's okay with it. Uh, so, yeah. But is there anything, anything going on the last couple of weeks that, that we need to cover? I don't, you know, I don't remember, because it's been a long couple of weeks. And we went, my daughter and I went to the Stranger Things... Trivia game or trivia thing last night. How was that? It was fun. Yeah, there was people dressed up in costume and. Oh, that's cool. That's fun. Was, Anybody dressed like a demi gorgon? No, but there was a lot of Eddies. A lot of Eddies. A lot of Eddies. Yeah. Um, a, a pretty pretty popular character. Yeah, Eddie's a popular character. They should have killed him off. Yeah. But, Spoiler alert. Oh shit! I'm sorry. No, I, I don't give a shit. Yeah, yeah, it's been out long enough. It's been out long. If you haven't watched it, you know it's your fault. Yeah. But yeah, a lot of Eddies. Um, we didn't come in last. There was two Eddies. Apparently. That's a lot. That is a lot. If you're in a room with no Eddies and two walks in, that's a lot that's of a Eddies. Lot. There was there was one Alex, um, one Eleven. There was an Angela. Oh, wow. Um, there was one Chris. Because he does, he's the host. Oh, okay. And he does the, uh, he does the questions. Yeah. There was a what? There was a Max. There's a Max. Was it a, a Max um, before or after the uh, the the joints were broken? Oh, it was before. Okay, it would be really cool if it was after. And then there was a couple people with with dust and stinking caps on. Okay, now well, very cool. Which actually, you know, actually, that's kind of a cool hat. I'd wear that hat. I'm sure you would. 
That's what. Did you guys win? No, but we did not come in last. That's very good. Very good. So, Stranger Things. That's actually that was the topic of uh, yesterday's uh, uh, Nerdpocalypse Wow show. We talked about Stranger Things, but we didn't talk about Stranger Things. What you talk about? Breakfast. <laughs> oh, nice. It's one of my favorite subjects. We uh, we we started talking about well, we we started talking about all kinds of things. Now I'm hungry. And then we started talking about Stranger Things, and egos came up, and I had told them that I don't believe I've ever had a official ego. Really? Yeah. You know Walmart sells blue waffles. Yeah, they do, and it's not a joke. They do actually sell yeah, blue do. waffles. Um, but I, I've never had an official ego. I've had the knockoffs. I've had the square ones. I've never had an official ego, and so. Uh, the the boys over at Nerd Apocalypse are going to uh, feed me some egos and nice yeah, uh, but and then it got into like an oatmeal and, and inst- instant oatmeal and instant grits talk. I and, do like instant oatmeal. Yeah, I love grits. I like that shit raw. So yeah, we were uh, without cooking. It. I just eat it out of the package. Yeah, that's wow. Yeah, I'm yeah. all quartered. What do you eat? All kinds of weird shit like that though. You like don't you eat tuna right out of the can and shit? Yeah, yeah. I've, bl- I've blended tuna up and drank it. Oh, it's it's not as glamorous as it sounds. It doesn't sound glamorous, so I bet it really sucks. It, it's almost it's almost like because the way I do it, it's almost like blend. It's like I got a, like a, almost like pineapple taste to it or gritty t- or How texture is it? to it. But not a pineapple taste. No, pineapple but texture. I mix it with like berry those little instant bag things you'd stick in water. I put oh. a bunch of those in there, so it tastes like fruity fish. Kind of, but I don't really taste it. I just chug it. It's a fruity fish smoothie. Yes. Yuck. Protein. God. And if I still had a portable blender, I would still be doing that. That is... Just, uh, bleh. We just lost half of our audience right there. Yeah. <laughs> Good Lord. The okay. things you do The things you do when you're trying to get in protein with not a lot of calories. That is weird. It's It works. That's weird. Speaking of weird... I met Weird Al the other night. You did, you did. Yes. I was very jealous. I mean, you got the picture with him and everything. Yeah, it was it was it was interesting. Very very uh, interesting show that he did because he didn't play except for at the very end. He played a parody, almost like a parody of a parody, because he did all of his original music. Nice. He didn't do any parodies through the main show, and he played some of my favorites, uh, which I have a funny story about one of them. But uh, he he played through. And then at the very end, they came back for the encore, and they played a straight-up cover, was not a parody, of uh, Elvis Costello's Radio Radio. Really? And they said that's because when they're on their their regular, their normal tour, where they're doing all the costume changes and they have uh, all the videos and all that, they have a, a like a main computer that does all the music, does all the videos, does all the sound effects... And when that computer goes down, the whole show comes to a stop. Yeah. So that is the song that when they get the the signal that the computer's down, they kick into that song, and that's what they play. So that's like their you know their their something wrong song. Yeah. So they said on this tour, very simple: drums, guitar, bass, keyboard, and microphones, and the accordion. So there's not a lot to go wrong. So they said, we, we still want to play the song because our crew absolutely hates this song. Oh, that's so funny. Because if they're playing that song, there's something going wrong. Yeah. So they played that, and then he did a, kind of a parody or a, a cover of a medley of his parodies. 
So he did uh, Amish Paradise. He did the Nirvana song. He did White and Nerdy. He did uh, uh, oh that song about the the grammar. Oh yeah, he did that one. He did he did like five or six different songs uh, in a medley, but it was lounge style. Oh, so okay. it was like lounge music, like swinger music. Um, it was a lot of fun, but the part that, that that really fucked me up. And he played my favorite my favorite Weird Al song, including parodies, Albuquerque. My favorite Weird Al song. Which one is that? That's it's uh, the one about him going to Albuquerque. Okay. And so he, it's like, it's like fourteen minutes long. Oh, it's shit. a long song. So he's playing it, and he gets about three quarters of the way through the song, and he stopped a couple times to explain that this song was written in a time when certain words that are in the song and certain phrases that are in the song were actually politically correct to use, and he knows that they're not now, but. You know the the phrase that's there now doesn't rhyme, so he keeps it in there, and he, he but he he made it funny. Yeah. But basically saying, look, I know that that word could get me in trouble, and it, it wasn't. They weren't horrible words. I'm not going to get into it, but it, it was just certain certain terms and certain phrases that he was like, I know I probably shouldn't have said that, but I did because here's why, and he explained it and went right back to the song. But he got three quarters of the way through the song, and all of a sudden he goes, oh oh man, stop guys, stop. And I should mention. When the song started, I had to pee so bad that I was it was hurting. Okay. <laughs> he had to take a pee break in the middle of the song? No, me, me, me. Oh. Me personally. I was in the third <laughs> row. I had to pee so bad and I didn't want to move because there was one one there was an empty seat to my left. Yeah. There was a little kid sitting to my right. So I wasn't crowded by any means. There was I was the third seat in and on my left, there was that empty seat, and then there was a very, um, very immobile man sitting there in that seat, filling up the entire area, so you couldn't get past him. Oh. And he wouldn't stand up. So, uh... I guess he couldn't. No, he couldn't. He could not... I mean, he, he, he would get up and, and move around a little bit during the breaks and stuff, and then when he went to sit back down, he was in that seat until he pried himself out of it. Just to get the blood flowing. Yeah. So... I was like, I can. It, this show's about over. I, I can tell the show's about over, so I'm, I, I can, I can hold it. So I'm like, oh, can I hold it? And then they started playing Albuquerque, and I'm like, yes, my favorite song. So I'm just kind of like in my seat because it was at a theater, so you sat down the whole show, and so I'm just kind of dancing in my seat, like, okay, this You're is doing the pee dance. This is kind of helping. This is kind of helping. And then it got to the point where it started to hurt. It started to hurt like into my hips. Yeah. It started to hurt up into my stomach. It started to hurt in the back of my throat and in my teeth. It hurt. Oh, my God. I, I mean, I had to pee that bad. It was painful. And I'm like, okay, this he's getting to the end of the song. This has to be the last song. He is three quarters of the way through, and he goes, hold on, guys, hold on. I lost my place. Start over. And oh, my God. <laughs> so he's been playing for like 10 minutes on this song, and he starts it over. And I'm like... Are you kidding me? And he's going through it. He, he just started the whole fucking song over. He gets about halfway through that. So he, he does another five minutes. And he goes, stop. And everybody stops. And he goes, I remembered where I was. So, so now you're 20 minutes in. So we need to pee. start here. And so then he, the, he made him play the music. And then he stopped. He was like, right there. And then he kicked in and he finished the song. I was like, 
oh my god, I mean, I'm really dancing at this point, you know, like, yeah, oh my god, I'm sweating, and I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> and, oh, dude, I would have just, I can't he, hold that, I just got up and peed. He gets up, and he, he kind of starts to walk off stage, and so everybody sta- gets up to give him a standing ovation, I'm like, this is great, standing up is gonna help, so I stand up, I'm giving him a standing ovation, yeah, so his drummer, they had like the plexiglass case around the drums, yeah, he whips out a handkerchief and starts wiping the glass off. Just kind of, you know, muddling around, wiping the glass off. The keyboard player sits down, like, starts whittling or something. I don't know what the hell he was doing. The Just weird shit. The bass player went and got a broom and kind of swept up a little bit. And the guitar player's, like, doing something. Like, you know, just fiddling with shit. And Weird Al goes and stands on stage, but on the edge of the stage, where you could still see him. And he's looking at his watch. And he stands there, and he's looking at his watch, and he'd look at the crowd, and he'd, like, kind of wave his hand, like, clap more, clap more. And he kept tapping his watch, and he'd look around, and he tapped his watch, and he's like, okay. And then he walks back to the stage, and he, like, taps everybody, and he's like, get back to your instrument. And they played that cover song, and then they did the uh, the encore. And then I had to go to the VIP area, because I was meeting him. And did you go to the bathroom first? No. You, be- still, you still haven't peed I yet. still haven't peed. Oh, my God. So they're like... Come on, no, they're like they're like rushing. You're, you're kind of like, like Forrest Gump when he meets the president. Yo, yeah, like, hi, Weird Al. I gotta go pee. <laughs> I gotta pay. Uh, it was they 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 rushed. They're like, okay, everybody, sit down. Do not go anywhere because if you miss when we take you out of here, you're you should out of luck. You should out of luck. And I was like, oh fuck. And so I'm sitting there. I'm like, you got to be fucking kidding me. I'm like, oh my god. And so I get sat back down. And as soon as I get sat back down, I'm like, okay, okay. They're like, okay, let's go. I'm like, oh, son of a bitch. So I got to get back up. We go, we walk us all around this theater. And they take us into this room with all these chairs. We're like, sit down. You sit there. You sit. There. I mean, they were very structured. Yeah. And it was like, do not, you know, vary. Don't, don't go anywhere. Stay in line. <clears throat> so we're sitting there. And they said, okay, we're going to start doing photos. So they dismiss the front row. And I'm in the second row. And But there's a row and then an aisle and then another set of chairs. They dismissed half of the front row. Then they went over and dismissed half of the second row. So my half hadn't gone. Yeah. I'm like, I think there's plenty of time I can go pee. And I get up and the, there's a family sitting next to me and they're like, hey, can they go with you? And it's like the mom and the kid, like, they're just so that they know where to go. Can they go with you? I'm like, yeah, that's whatever. I didn't know them. Yeah. I went by myself. And so we walk out, and I'm like, oh, my God. I, go, I thought I was going to lose it. And they're like, we've had to pee since before. I go, before Albuquerque. And they're like, yes. I'm like, yeah. It sounds like we're on a car trip. I've had to pee since Albuquerque. <laughs> <laughs> I legit thought that I was going to piss myself at the Weird Al show. And, yeah, then, and then go amazing. get a photograph taken with wet pants. I that, thought for sure that was going to happen. That would have been amazing. Well, not, Cause, not I mean, completely. You get to meet Weird Al, and you pee yourself at the same time. Well, yeah. Who? How I many mean, of us could actually say that? I mean, I'm sure somebody has done that. I'm, I'm sure. I mean, it was it was pretty exciting, and I'm sure that it would have been a topic of conversation. Oh, like, you'd have never forgot it. You're so excited, you pissed yourself. Y- yes, that's it. Wasn't because you fucked up on Albuquerque. Did you get to talk to him at least? A little bit. So, did you tell him I sent you that birthday card? No. <laughs> I. Because it was very very quick. Oh. I actually overstayed my welcome, according to his manager. But, oh, you, uh, actually, you got yelled at by Weird Al's manager? I didn't really get yelled at. Um, Who's his, what's his manager look like? Because all I picture is like a short short guy 
balding. Not he wasn't with a weird mustache. He wasn't balding. He had a fake weird mustache because he took it off. Oh fuck! Yeah, he had a fake. I was just kidding. That's funny. He did have a fake weird mustache um, during the because before the show they did a uh, Weird Al Jeopardy game. Yeah. For the VIPs, uh, so and I got a free bottle of water too. It wasn't Weird Al water, but uh, it was. It was uh, you it lost was, on Jeopardy. It was a free bottle of water. I lost on Jeopardy. I didn't play Jeopardy. I got there right when Jeopardy was getting over. But that guy was hosting Jeopardy, and he had a fake mustache on. Uh, But, yeah, he he just looked like a dude, you know, kind of short, kind of muscular. Um, Thought that he was tougher than he was, I think. Oh, so he's wearing out his muscle, too. Kind of. He thinks he is. Um, So, he went to take the picture, and they were very, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. And... They, you know, you'd walk up and they'd go, yellow line, yellow line, please, yellow line, and you're supposed to stand by the yellow line. That was in Lincoln, right? Yeah, at the lead center. Very nice place. Yeah. You, you stood on this yellow line, and there was like a piece of clear plastic between you. And Weird Al stand there, and you walked up, and he would wave at you, and, you know, and then he would like, he would pose. And then you react to his pose, and they took a picture. And then he would do another pose, and you'd react to that pose, and they'd take a picture. And then... They go in and digitally remove the screen between you, merge you closer together. Sometimes they take your first pose and his second pose if they if they look better together. But on mine, second pose, both of us, perfect. Nice. And it just it looked like it belonged. And then you go sit back down. And then you form another line and get to meet him. And they had a that screen up between you and him, but it's just plastic. So you could talk. Yeah. And so uh, I, I got up there and I got a gigantic, this poster is 18 by 24. It's huge. And he signed it. Well, he had a name tag. We had a name tag on with our name on it so that they could see your name. Yeah. And that's what you put on the poster. So his manager said, we've got a Mikey. M-I-K-E. That's Weird Al writes, M-I-K-E. And I it didn't pay attention to that. I was talking to him. I said, hey, uh, just like I said on the, when we did the show. Yeah. I said, hey, I said, I, I, man, I just want to thank you for putting smiles on people's faces. You know, you you really do, you know, make things better. And he goes, he set his pen down. And he looked at me and he goes, hey, he goes, thank you. And he hadn't done that. I had been watching. People were talking to him and he might look up and keep signing. But he actually set his pen down. He looked up and he goes, thank you. And I said, I'm going to be 100% honest. I think that if people would just settle down and take a break every day to listen to some Weird Al, this world would be a much better place. I agree. And we've said, and, and we said that. Yeah, we've, we said that on the show. And he just kind of, he kind of clasped his hands. And I mean, he and looked right at me. He, he wasn't signing shit. He looked right at me and he just smiled and he goes, that is the nicest thing anyone has ever said to me today. And he, then he went back, he finished signing a deal and handed it to me. And I said, thank you. And I got my, my poster and I handed it back to his manager. I said, Mikey, I said, can you put the Y on there? There was room. Can you put the Y? It's Mikey. And he goes, uh, uh, no, let's go. And we're all, he reached up and he goes, he goes, what, what, what's wrong? And he goes, here, Al, you, you screwed up. And he goes, you screwed up. He goes, you said Mikey, and then you spelled it for me, M-I-K-E. He goes, I thought it was a weird way to spell Mikey, but I put it on there because yeah. that's what you told me to do. He goes, clearly his name tag says Mikey with a Y. And he put it on there, and he goes, there you are. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I was like, 
Oh, and the manager's like, let's get going now. Come on. And I was like, fuck off, man. We, <laughs> we just had a moment here. I, yeah. paid, I paid 350 bucks for this. So, yeah, it was it was, a, it was cool. But, uh, you know, very brief. And, and you know what? And I bet you he'll remember that, too. That you conversation. Know, he might. He might. He, or he might be like, okay, have I told anybody that that's the nicest thing they've ever said to me today yet today? No. Okay. Next person I'm going to say that to. He, it might be something yeah. that, you know, who knows. But, or is that, is that guy still here? Okay, next person. Yeah. Yeah, you know, that's the nicest thing anybody's ever said to me. Like, hey, I like your hair, <laughs> you know? That's the nicest thing anybody's ever said. Today. <laughs> Today. In the last five minutes. But, yeah, it was it was cool, and uh, Emo Phillips opened. Oh, no shit. That guy's fucking weird. He is bizarre. Yeah. He, he told some of the most uncomfortable jokes and got away with it. And I am not going to repeat any of them because they are that bad. I'll tell you off the air. Okay. I laughed so hard, and so did everyone else. Everyone else in that auditorium, they did that laugh where it's like your immediate reaction is to laugh. And then you kind of look around to make sure that everybody else is, everybody laughing. Else is laughing too. And that was that was most of the jokes. You'd laugh, you're like, oh my God. And then you look at the person next to you and go, oh shit, that was bad. You know, it's like, not... You almost, not that you felt guilty for laughing at it, but it's almost like, I should not, this should not be funny. No. But the way he said it was hilarious. And the way he handled it was hilarious. And, yeah. But, yes, oh, what a fucking weird dude. Yeah. And I had some people say, we haven't heard anything from him in, like, 20 years. And I said, they announced. It was, I think I remember looking him up, and I was like, there wasn't much. No. He's a stand-up comedian. He was in a handful of movies. Yeah. They said he has done over 7,000 shows. He has performed on five continents. And the highlight of his career, according to him, his proudest moment, is when he demonstrated the proper use of a table saw in Weird Al's Smash. And they go, no. Cult classic, no. Movie. <laughs> <laughs> It was like, was it a hit? No, was it? Th- no, it's like when he when he performed you know that in the movie UHF, and everybody went nuts. And oh, he was in UHF. Wasn't he? he was the one that cut his hand off with the chains with yeah. the uh, table saw. So that was his proudest moment and the, his most popular moment in his career. He says, but he he looked like he died twenty years ago. Oh no, kidding! Oh god, it was it was kind of scary, and he still has that like he has a Prince Adam haircut. Oh, awesome. He has a Prince Adam haircut, and he has ever since the 80s. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's it was it was insane. But, yeah, that was, that was pretty cool. And, and kind of a... It was kind of a full-circle Retro Renegades moment for me. Yeah. Because we just did that show on him not long ago. And there I am. He's right there, you know, sitting there watching him perform. And it was it, it was close enough to where... When he looked and pointed, it was almost like he was pointing at you, directly addressing you. You know, like he, somebody would holler and clap. You know, and and it might be a little off timing of everybody else. And he'd turn and look and go, "Yeah, yeah, you." Oh, another quick. Then I'll quit talk about Weird Al. Um, they're make you know they're making a movie about him. Yeah, um, it's a, it's Li- a, Elijah Wood. No, uh, uh, Harry da- Potter. Da- Daniel Radcliffe. Yeah, Harry Potter's playing Weird Al. Yes. So he addressed that, and he said, he said, while I'm on the road, they're having me do 
like sound bites. Oh, nice. Of my voice, and we're grabbing certain things, and he goes, and th- and I noticed that they had these microphones set up around the edge of the stage, and he says, and they told me that we had to catch some sound bites from a live show, and he goes, they just told me today, he goes, so I thought, hey, why not do it here? That's awesome. He said, so what I need you to do is the whole audience in unison shouts no. And he goes, we're going to do several different takes of it. And he goes, and I'm going to give you a cue. You match my intensity. Yeah. You match my energy. You match my tone. So he would say, is that what you want? And we all shouted, no. No. And so it would be, you know, from like, is that what you want? No. Is that what you want? No! And, <laughs> and so we did like five or six or seven of them. That would have been fun. And he's like, you guys are going to be in the movie. That's awesome. He goes, you guys are going to be in the movie. He goes, congratulations. He goes, when you hear that, try to listen for your voice. He goes, you're going to be in the movie. And it's like, yeah. A movie of 8,000 people? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's or a, however many an auditorium full of people. And, and it was pretty full. Uh, but yeah, really, really I heard good it. Was it sold out? I don't remember if it sold no, out. No, Poison was sold out. Well, I know it didn't sell out because the seat next to me was oh, empty. Yeah. I guess they just didn't show up. <laughs> but for three hundred and fifty bucks, yeah, they better show it. I mean, I don't care. <laughs> You're showing up, but uh, yeah, it was it was pretty intense. So, anything else we need to cover before we dive into this topic? No. So, speaking of funny things, the '80s. I think the '80s were kind of a. Uh, we've covered a lot of things. That were on TV. We've covered, like, uh, uh, the MTV stuff. We've covered... And that was kind of what the 80s gave birth to, you know, MTV. Yeah. The cartoons were very distinct in the 80s. Something else that was very distinct in the 80s was the style of the sitcom. And so, we thought maybe we would cover... Just a kind of a, a we're just gonna kind of fan out just like you know imagine we have cards in our hand and we're gonna fan those cards out so you can see them all and then we're gonna talk about each card briefly yeah so we're gonna start with kind of the 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 popular ones the ones that that you'll remember and then the second half we're gonna go through some that you may not remember some that didn't quite reach the uh, status the the stardom yeah and and. There's still ones that we probably watch, you know. I, at least I know I did. Uh, but we'll start out with what I feel is probably the, these first three, probably the most popular sitcoms of the '80s. Oh yeah, uh, and might as well start with with the, you know the pretty big one, uh, Family Ties. Now, Family Ties, it it ran for seven seasons, premiered in '82, uh, and this thing was basically. It showed the the change in the generations between the parents who were 60s and 70s hippies yep. and the children who were more politically motivated, especially Alex P. Keaton. Which is played by Michael J. Fox. Michael J. Fox. Marty McFucking Fly. And he was... Alex, Alex Keaton was... He was very political. He was a young Republican. Very interested in the uh, the Reagan. He was a big Reaganite. Yeah, he was a Ra- he was a Reaganite, and his parents were were just a couple of hippies. They're trying to raise their kids. Uh, the uh, the kids rounded out by Justine Bateman, uh, sister of Jason Bateman. Oh no shit! Yeah, I guess I could see that. Yeah, she looked just like him. She uh, only better looking. Yeah, 
And uh, Tina Yothers, who Tina Yothers, uh, she didn't really go on to do much else acting-wise. Um, if I remember right, she kind of uh, fell into some uh, some drug issues. Yeah. And now... Which she, happened a lot. With these child actors, it yeah, really did. In the 80s, it did. Uh, now she's actually a, uh, a punk rock singer. Really? She has a band. Yeah, I can't remember what the name of it is. I could probably find that for you if you... If you're terribly interested in it. I mean, but. she did Celebrity Fit Club. I remember that. Yeah, she did Celebrity out. Fit she, Club and Celebrity Boot Camp. Herself, yeah. She and also wife did swap. Wife Swap. Um, and she, and she was also on What Not to Wear. And Family Double There. Oh, she was on Family Double There as yeah, well. Probably Celebrity Edition. Um, she Also, interestingly enough, she was in a musical about uh, uh, pornographic star Linda Lovelace. Oh. Um, she was in Lovelace, the, the musical. But... She uh, she was in a band. It's called Jaded, and it's actually uh, has uh, the trumpet player from No Doubt in it. So oh, okay. If, if that yeah, I guess you know, I that's a claim to fame. I, I've heard some of their stuff. It's it's kind of punky, kind of. I mean, kind of. It, it looks kind of. It's kind of punky, kind of gothy. Yeah, yeah. Like new wave goth. Yeah, almost like um, it's got an Evanescence vibe to it, kind of. Yeah, and they were. I mean, it, it's it's fun, but yeah. So so family ties. I mean, they tackled a lot of uh, political things, and they tried to bridge a gap. I feel to be a family sitcom by demonstrating the rift that can happen between parents and children. Yep, because of you know. Just like uh, uh, Will Smith said, parents just don't understand. Um, Cordy Cox was also in Family Ties. There was a, a ton of people. I, re- I can remember um, Tom Hanks played the alcoholic uncle. And he came in and he, he was only in one episode, but he played the, the alcoholic uncle and they were trying to get him to quit drinking and he drank the vanilla extract out of the cupboard. Oh, that'll kill you. Which is how I learned. It won't. Uh, <laughs> it actually won't. Oh. Um, oh, you tried this. Yes. Oh. That's how I learned about it, is watching Family Ties. And then years later, I was working at uh, Hy-Vee in the, in the deli area, and I would make myself, I, I didn't do this intentionally at first, I would make myself, you know, or i get a Coke, and then I would go back and i get vanilla extract, and i put it in there. And I found out that if I put a little more than normal in there, I'd kind of get a buzz. Oh, okay. So I was like, hey. Maybe right that's why on. they tell people to kill you because they just didn't want you to drink it. Maybe. It, I, I'm sure if you drank a whole bottle of it, it Chunk might, was in this. It might kill you. Chunk was? Yeah. No kidding. So, do you remember watching Family Ties? I mean, Oh, yeah, dude. I remember watching Family Ties. Um, Meredith Baxter was in it. Meredith, Meredith Baxter is probably in every Hallmark movie. Yep. Gene ever. Davis was in this. Uh, Michael Gross, who we recognize from the Tremors movies. Yeah. Um, he played the father. And then uh, Mark Price played Skippy, the uh, the nerdy uh, friend that had a crush on Justine Bateman. Yep. Mark Price from the movie Trick or Treat, not Trick or Treat, Trick with or Lewis, treat. Trick or Treat, where it was the uh, the band. Yep. Uh, but with yeah, Ozzy and Gene Simmons. Yes. Oh, fuck. Gene Simmons break. Speaking of Gene Simmons, I ran into Rex last week. Did you? He said to tell you hi. Well, good. Because he was he was sad you weren't at the toy show. Yeah. That's what I did last week. That's what you did last week, yeah. going to the toy show. So, well, hi, Rex, and uh, thanks for bringing us this Gene Simmons break. Rex from Toys in the Past, Lincoln, Nebraska. Hi, I'm Gene Simmons. You're not. And that was Gene Simmons. 
I thought we were going to get through a whole show without him. Um, Never get a whole show without Gene Simmons. So, I mean, Family Ties, you know, pretty fun. Um, the interesting trivia that there is about this, uh, the cast, they had their own idea about how they wanted the series to end. Yeah. They wanted the show to end with the entire family dying in a plane crash because they did not want the possibility of a reunion in the future. Which to this... Uh, they've never done it. They've never done it, so obviously they got their wish. Uh, Michael J. Fox's first audition was deemed terrible because he was too much of a smartass. Who's Michael J. Fox? Michael J. Fox. That's what I said. He was, yeah, I thought you said, who is Michael J. No, Fox? No, I said, he's, 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 he's Michael, Michael J. J. Fox. You know who Michael J. Fox is. Uh, but yeah, he was too much of a smartass. Uh, and they... The casting director really liked him, so she begged for the the uh, directors to take another look at him, and they then she told him, "Tone down the smart ass," and so he toned it down, and it went great. Um, do you remember Nick Scott Valentine? Yeah, Scott Valentine was um, that was Mallory's boyfriend, who was kind of a dim-witted, uh, not biker, kind of a stoner type. Yeah. Yeah, and he would all, he was he was kind of a clone of Fozzie, Fonzie, not Fozzie. Fon, Fozzie, yeah. like, you waka waka waka. Yeah, kind of, um, of Fonzie, because he had the leather jacket. He would come in, and his his opening line would always be, "Hey, hey." And now, Scott Valentine, I do not remember what the name is. I think it's like my boyfriend's a demon or something. Is the name of this movie? It's a it's a comedy horror. I'm looking. And yeah, my demon lover. My demon lover. Um, I remember watching I've been watching this because he, he you know he gets possessed, and I just remember the scene where they're trying to figure out how he got possessed, and the person that knows all about possession unzips Scott Valentine's pants. Yeah, and he's like smooth as a Ken doll. Oh, and my he goes God. right there's where it went in. He goes that's why that's missing. Oh yeah, um, so yeah, my my demon lover. Uh, yeah, they, the audience really loved the character of Nick, so they made they turned him from a one, one shot to a recurring character. Uh, Doesn't even look like the same person anymore. No, not at all. Hey, he was in Playgirl. Oh, was he? Yeah. Well, he was on the cover. I'll be damned. I mean, I don't think they're doing that now. I'm pretty sure that it, that he wasn't in his My Demon Lover get up because uh, I don't think they did that for Playgirl. Uh, Tracy Pullen was in this as well. Tracy Poland actually um, married Michael J. Fox. Oh yeah! In real life, she played his girlfriend in uh, in the show and then married him. Uh, w- one year before Back to the Future came out, Crispin Glover actually played Alex Keaton's friend in one episode. So they they had acted twice before they actually were in Back to the Future together. Oh no, kidding! Uh, they appeared as well in uh, High School USA in nineteen eighty three. Crispin Glover gets a bad rap. Yeah, he, he he's kind of crazy. Yeah, he's a weirdo. Um, but I like his acting. I like everything he's done. So, yeah, I mean, he's good, but he's a little nutty. Yeah. Uh, the show was modeled after uh, the producer, Gary David Goldberg, and his wife, and their real-life experiences being hippies and trying to transition into being a suburban family and raise children. Um. So yeah, it's uh, I mean, a lot of 
a lot of real life uh, crossover in the show. So, what, what was your what was your impression of uh, Family Ties? I like the show. I mean, it was. It started out when I was real little, so I mean, I remember watching it. Yeah. When I was a kid, and I always remember like Alex was always dressed in his suits and everything. Always had a tie on. Always yeah. had a tie on. Um, he was always in a rush. He always yes. had to go do something. Yeah, he was always busy. Yeah, and it was always something official, you know, like a, a political. Something he was going to a rally. Or yeah, he was never. To... He wasn't your average kid. No. He was always like reading Wall Street Journal and stuff. Yeah, at sixteen. Yeah, or however old he was well, in the show. The funny thing is, Meredith Baxter and and Michael Gross playing the parents were only fourteen years older than Michael J. Fox. Oh wow! Yeah, I mean they 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 did come from the sixties, and you know there wasn't a lot of protection back then. True. So I mean it's possible. Uh, Ronald Reagan said that this was his favorite television show, and there were talks of him doing a cameo at one point, but it never happened. Yeah, I don't think the uh, Secret Service was going to allow that. Well, it was before, you know, they really did allow that. Was this before he got shot? I don't know. I don't remember. Because it ran, to, it ran through until 89. I'm surprised it ran as long as it did because Michael J. Fox was booming doing Back to the Future movies. Yeah. But they did those back to back to back. They, yeah, they filmed them right, right in a row. Um, so this is one of the first shows that I remember that had the famous line that you all will remember at the very end of the show where they had a picture of the producer, Gary David Goldman's Black Lab dog, and they would say, Oh, yeah. Sit, Ubu's, Ubu. Ubu. Sit, Ubu, sit. Good dog. That was, uh, that was Ubu. That was, that was, that was the producer's dog, actual yeah. dog. So the, the Ubu Productions was, it was named after his dog. So that's kind of cool. And I think that a lot of these shows that we're going to talk about, especially in the first half, were... Were Ubu Productions. Were Ubu Productions, yeah. yeah they were Ubus. So, anything else you want to talk about with uh, with Family Ties? No, I mean, it was, it was a good show. I mean, it launched out Michael J. Fox's career, big time. I think it, it, it helped several of the lead actors. It, it helped uh, uh, the parents, yep. uh, Michael Gross and uh, uh, Meredith Baxter. Um, it helped them kind of get projected into the, the limelight and get other... I mean, he got put in tremors, for Christ's sake. I mean... He was, he was in every single Tremors. He was with Kevin Bacon. He got to he got to be one degree of Kevin Bacon because of this. Yeah, this I think show. we're all one degree of Kevin Bacon. Actually, uh, I, I don't think we we've never we've not met Kevin Bacon. So it doesn't matter. We know somebody who probably has. So we're two degrees of Kevin yes. Bacon. Yes, I, I know. I know. I'm two degrees. So you're at least three degrees by knowing me. Well, didn't Kevin Bacon play the waiting room? He did. So I mean, and that's right down the street. So. That counts. Yeah, it does. Well, and so we would be. I at, drove by at least two degrees. I drove by Kevin Bacon. I'm sure we were, we worked with we know someone and have worked with people that, yeah. that worked with him. So um, we could. There's a Kevin Bacon calculator. We could figure it out. Uh, I think by knowing the Greasy Strangler, I think he. Yeah, I think he's one degree of Kevin Bacon. Oh, guaranteed. I, I think. I think. Uh, I think Big Ronnie is. Um, so let's move along to the next one. That's going to be actually it's playing on TV right now. Who's the boss? Angela. <laughs> so who's the boss? Uh, of course, the the main star Tony Danza. Uh, Judith Light plays uh, Angela Bauer. Alyssa Milano. Uh, let's say that again. Alyssa Milano. Let me say it a little. Alyssa Milano. <sighs> mm. Yeah. Um. And we kind of grew up with Alyssa Milano. We did. Because we would have been about the same age as she was on this show. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Because she is, how old is she? 
She's only 49. Oh, yeah, so she's just a few years older than yeah. me. Um, but uh, All five foot two of her. Yes. So who's the boss? I like Mona. Oh, the mother. Yeah, the the the, the uh, Angela's mother. Yeah. Yeah, she was so dirty. Oh, I loved her. So what? What? Who's the boss? Is it's uh, it started in '84 and it ran for uh, eight seasons. Eight seasons, yeah. Um, Tony Danza was a former Major League Baseball player, and he wanted to raise his daughter outside of New York City, so he moved to Connecticut to be a living housekeeper for Angela Bauer, who was an advertising executive. Angela's mother lived with him, as well as her son. Jonathan, played by Danny Pintaro. Pintaro, yeah. Uh, this thing was one of the most popular sitcoms of the 80s. It was nominated for over 40 awards. Uh, it won a Primetime Emmy Award and a Golden Globe Award. He's kind of falling out of limelight, too. Who's that? Pintaro? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, out of all of the cast, I think that he is probably the one that really didn't do much. Uh, because the... Uh, he was a little kid when this started. Catherine Hellman, who played Mona, she had a career before. Yeah. Uh, she was an older actress. She had a career before. Um, but some of the other folks that, that made little spot appearances, Nicole Eggert, yep. from the uh, Retro Renegade's favorite television show ever, Baywatch. Yes. Uh, she appeared. Um, Billy Gallo was in this. Um other notable names. That's about the only notable names. I mean, there's other people you'll recognize. But, so, there was a lot of, t- you know, like, tension between uh, Tony Danza's character and Judith Light's character. There were, you know, just tons of... A lot of sexual tension. Sexual tension between the two. You would often see her gazing at him as he's wearing his, you know, his white tank top. Uh... You know, she she would or he would like be be vacuuming without a shirt on, and she'd just be like, oogling oogling him, him and then she'd get caught, and be like, oh oh sorry. And I think they actually hooked up at, at one point. I think they got they got married. Did they in the show? Yeah. Oh well, that's great. I think I, it sounds right. It does sound right. Uh, and they deal with like trying to raise these kids in a odd situation, you know, like an odd pairing, and you'll find that is kind of a staple in all of these sitcoms. There's some kind of weird parenting situation and weird family dynamic. And it just, it, it led to hilarity. Uh, it was it was almost like you're, you could almost call it like an odd couple. Yeah, story. Very, very much so. Um, let's find some trivia on this. Wasn't she like a big businesswoman? Yeah, she was an advertising executive. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this thing premiered the same night as the Cosby Show premiered, and it ended the same night that Growing Pains and MacGyver ended. Oh, wow. It also had very, very stiff competition. It ran exactly opposite of the Golden Girls. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, 1,500 girls auditioned for the role of Samantha Michelli. And this is before TiVo or... Watching multiple shows. Oh, yeah, you, you picked. Your, yeah, you had to pick a show. Unless you had multiple TVs, and then you could record them. And the thing was, there was only three channels at the time. Yeah. So, you had three choices of what to watch, and there was a... I mean, it was a battle. It, you know, it really was. 
They held the premiere back for almost a year because they didn't. It was going to be a mid-season replacement, and they didn't think it was strong enough to be a mid-season replacement for anything. Oh wow! And so they they thought it would be a mid-season replacement and then be dropped. So they held it off for almost a year, and then they they debuted it as a regular series. Um, Mona was intended to be Angela's older sister, but they couldn't find an actress that was age appropriate. Yeah. So they they found the actress that and it, it became Mona, and they said, "Well, let's make it her mother instead." And it worked out much better because I don't think a sister role doing some of the things that she did. She was a sex crazed old woman. She was pretty much just like um, Blanche. Bla- she was. She was the yeah. Yeah, from she was Golden a Connecticut Rose. version of Blanche, not Miami. Yeah, yeah. So, and they, they wanted to cancel it after the seventh season, but they convinced the network to renew it for the eighth season, and that's when they based the entire the entire uh, season around Tony and Angela becoming a couple, and the ratings did not increase because of that, so it got canceled. So interesting. Tony, uh, Tony Maselli is the number 23 in TV Guide's list of the greatest, 50 greatest TV dads of all time. He's, I think he's probably the greatest TV dad. One of them, yes. I mean, he's one of my favorite. Yeah? I mean, it was Bill Cosby, but then yeah. he was drugging everybody on the show. And well, I don't know he drugged them on the show, but he, he, was, gave, yeah. he was giving everybody their, his pudding pop. Yeah. Uh, season one's the only season ever to be released on DVD. Oh, who's the boss? Yes. Wow, you can watch it on Prime. It is on Prime. Um, and it's free with ads. The only cast members to appear in every episode, all 196 episodes, Tony Danza, Judith Light, and Catherine Hellman. Oh, wow. Yeah. And uh, Catherine Hellman was only 55 when the show premiered. Angela was 35. Yeah, so... So the mother was uh, was about 20 years older. Which is about fun. Which is right. Cause yeah. She was born in 29. I was just reading about her. She just passed away a couple years ago. Uh, the, the catchphrase of this show was, Oh, hey, hey, yo. Oh, hey, hey, yo. And that's very... No, it was, oh, hey, hey, yo. Yeah. Oh, hey, hey, yo. That's very Stallone. I, I, I drew a lot of comparisons between Tony Danza and Sylvester Stallone in delivery. Yeah. Um, and he has a very Scott Bayo-ish look to him. Tony Danza? I think so. What was the haircut? I think that was like the '80s haircut. That was like the the '80s dude haircut. Yeah. So, unless you were Stallone, right? And then you had the long locks. The long, yeah, the long luxurious locks. Well, he, dude, he had that same haircut, and wasn't he in American Graffiti? I don't remember. You know, I'm probably, looking. Probably. I'm looking. It was it was that, or he was also in Hollywood Nights too. I think. Uh, yeah, I think that's right. So, so he had the same haircut in Taxi. Yes. Love Taxi. Um, we we're going to do a different episode about Taxi. Let's see here. He said, he, well, he cut his hair. He got shorter. He got shorter. He was in Cannibal Run 2, so he had the same haircut there. He got shorter? He tried? He, said, no, he probably did. He's 71. <laughs> I'm sure he's shorter now. Um, Tony Dan's a 71 now? Yeah. My goodness, I didn't think that man would ever age. He was in Cannibal Run, the first one. He was in the Jerky Boys movie. Oh my god, that yeah, the Drinking Boys movie's awesome. That can't be all of them, dude. I know I've seen them in other movies. So I'm looking this shit up now. Who's the boss was one of the most influential sitcoms. Because many, many other sitcoms 
of the 90s would borrow from it. So, the nanny was probably the most... Uh, I love the nanny. It was probably the most uh, uh, copycat one, you know? Yeah. Uh, even to the, the point where there was an episode called Who's the Boss? My Fair Tony. The nanny copied that script. Yeah, he was in Hollywood Nights. He was it, the Duke. Okay. So, yeah, it was either Hollywood Nights or... Cannonball Run. Can't, yeah. Uh, so the, the nanny copied that script, and they, they just called it My Fair, My Fair Nanny. Uh, and then they they took another episode called Two on a Billboard, and they made it called Love is a Mini Blundered Thing. Uh, Sybil. I thought it was Love is a Battlefield. Well, that's something different. That's a song. Oh, my bad. Uh, Sybil, the, the show Sybil borrowed it. Uh, I like Sybil. They borrowed that, that same episode. I like Sybil Shepard. She was a yeah. good actress. And she's kind of, I mean, I had a kind of crush on Sybil Shepard. Well, sure, yeah. Yeah. She, I, I could see why. And, we, and we're not going to talk about that, that show. We need to, we should talk about that show someday. Yeah. Um, that, that she was in, uh, Moonlighting. Oh, with yeah. Bruce with motherfucking Bruce. Willis. Yes. The greatest actor of all time. One of them, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, there, there was uh, all kinds of, of things stolen from who's the boss. So that's kind of, I mean, that, that says a lot. The you know, imitation is the, the finest form or fl- uh, flat or finest form of flattery. What the fuck do they say? Finest form of flattery. Flattery, yes. That's fl- hard. That's flattery. Hard. You can say fluttery. Fl- yeah, it's hard to say. It is. Fluttery. It's fluttery. Um, they should do who's the boss reunion. And I, uh, after the seventh season, Alyssa Milano won it out of her contract. Because she wanted to go to college. She yeah. wanted to pursue her academic career. Sorry, yeah, she was a tomboy. And they said, no, tomboyish. you cannot leave the series. So, yeah. So what are your thoughts on Who's the Boss? I love Who's the Boss, man. It's probably out of our list here we got today. It's probably my favorite show. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. Very interesting. Uh, did Alyssa Milano have anything to do with that? Of course she did. I mean... You know, as we're watching, we must be watching an early episode. She's very, very young. This is the first episode. Oh, this is the very this first This is a pilot, yeah. Okay. She's very young, you know. Uh, looks to be maybe about eight or ten years old. But we were that age at the same time. Yeah. And we kind of grew up with her. And, you know, she she uh, she became a crush of mine at that era. Yeah. And continued to be because we were the same age. She's three years older than me. So it was like, yeah, <laughs> you know, like, mm-hmm. yeah. So um, it was it was age appropriate. We're not being creepy. It was age appropriate. No, we, we were yeah. kids then. Yeah, we were kids, and and like I said, she was older than us. So her, I mean, we I mean we we didn't put in. We should have done uh, Punky Brewster for this episode. Oh, that would have been a good one. Because I watched her new show. Uh huh. I loved it. She oh yeah. Still looked great. Yes, she she does. Um. So, yeah. yeah, who's the boss? Great, great, influential sitcom of the time, and it influenced a lot of shows. It really did. I and launched careers as a lot of these shows did, such as as this one here, Growing Pains. So Growing Pains uh, came out in '85, and it ran for seven years. Um, it followed the Seaver family. It was the psychiatrist father, Jason. With, with the, Alan Thicke. Yeah, the journalist mother, Maggie. And you know his son, Alan Thicke's son, 
is um, Robin. Robin Thicke, yeah. He did Blurred Lines. He also does Mass Singer right now. He's the host, one of the judges. Yes, he is. And he's I like him. He's he's funny, and he uh, he's, he's a good, he's a great musician. Miley Cyrus twerked on him in a, in a she award did. show, and yes. he got in a lot of trouble with his wife after that. Yes, he did. Um, Tracy Gold was just on um, Worst Cooks in America. Oh, really? Edition, and she looks amazing. Can she cook though? She um she can now. Okay, good. She looks amazing. Right. She looks. I mean, she looks exactly how she did. Back in the day. Wow, that's just impressive. Um, this also has Kirk Cameron in it. He's a uh, uh, fucking nut job now. Oh, yeah, he's a... Yeah. I don't know if you... He's just... he's He does everything. It's very godly. He's... Uh, isn't... He, is he a Scientologist? No, he's just a big Christian. Oh. He's like a... Let me, you know what? Let me look here. Yeah, well, I thought he was a Scientologist. You know who is a Scientologist? Oh, fuck. Tom Cruise. You want Tom Cruise break? Okay, great. Let's do Tom Cruise break. Tom Cruise break. Thank you for playing. Should we or should we not follow the advice of the galactically stupid? And there's Tom Cruise. He does a lot of uh, fucking dickhead. <laughs> um, he is. He was like a born again Christian, something like that. Yeah. And he does. He does a lot of stuff for the church. Uh, he's an evangelical Christian. Okay. So that's that's just that's up there with Scientology. Yeah. Yeah. He, those, guys, those guys make money off of people who don't have it. Yes. Well, and that's the I, worst of the worst. Man. Yeah, I, I know I know he pretty much uh whenever something comes out that's a little controversial, he comes out against it. Yeah. And he's just kind of a pain in the ass. His sister, Candace Cameron. Yes, Blouse. Yeah. She she's a more level-headed. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, the, uh, rounding out the, the family, uh, uh, the children, uh, Jeremy Miller played the youngest, uh, Ben Seaver. Yeah. And what I'm seeing here, he didn't do a whole lot. He got, I thought he got, he got a lot of, I thought he did, got real bad into drugs. It, 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 and it's no, it might have been Tracy Gold who did. I think Tracy Gold did. I and mean, then she straightened herself out. I mean, like yeah. I said, dude, she's... She's very likable. Yeah. Um, Jeremy Miller. Jeremy Miller. The thing about... And, and he outgrew... He did Dickie Roberts' childhood. Yeah, he was in Dickie Roberts. <laughs> That's amazing. But the, the thing about that I remember most about Jeremy Miller, and luckily he outgrew this, um, which, you know, not trying to make fun of the dude's appearance, but he had a weird mouth. Yeah, he spoke. His mouth formed words very strangely, and that is one of the reasons that my mom was like, "I don't like watching this show." She goes, "Because that kid talks weird." Not that he spoke weird, his mouth just formed words oddly. Uh, the the shape of his mouth when he made a word, it was like, "How did that sound come out of yeah. that shape of mouth?" Uh, and my mom just said, "I just don't like watching him talk." How old is this guy? He's 45, so... Oh, he's, he's our age. Um, so notable folks that were on this show that did, like, little spot things. Um, probably the biggest star that I see on this list is uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. He was in 24 episodes. He's... Yeah, he's, he's... I like Leonardo DiCaprio. I like everything he's done. Yeah. Actually. And people give, like, Romeo and Juliet a lot of shit. Oh, it was great. It was that was great. a fucking great movie. Yes, yes. It was, it was Shakespeare with guns. Yeah. It was awesome. And all the guns had sword on them. Did they, they all said sword. Oh really? Yeah, I, I did not know that. I did not pay good enough attention to that. I was, dude. I'm I'm working on my movie critic. I know you stuff. are. I know you are. And the movie I watched last night, 
oh. is going to be. Yeah, it's got to be on yeah, here. Yeah, it's bad. It's amazing. We watched. I watched Llama Geddon. That was yeah. It's really rough. It's terrible, but it's it's, so it's awesome. Good. Yeah. Uh, I guess at, at age fourteen, Jeremy Miller started uh, receiving very strange letters from an older male stalker. And oh it, boy! It lasted throughout the run of Growing Pains. Uh, Poor guy. Tracy Gold, uh, she began group therapy for an eating disorder. That's what she had. However, it only taught her different ways to lose weight. So they uh, they addressed, they brought that to real life, and they addressed um, body dysmorphia. Yeah. And in, in the uh, in the episode, which that's something I suffer from. Uh, you know, I, I also I do, but I yeah. mean not. Not to the extreme. To the extreme. I mean, it's it's and it's something we can bring up because of uh, if you're comfortable talking about it, because of uh, you know we, we do like to address mental health on this show, and there are times that even though I know neither one of us are overweight, we both are in fairly good shape actually. I look in the mirror and I see that I have a belly, and it's like man, you know, I, I need to address that. I think I'm fat constantly. People do not. Other people say you're not fat. You're a big dude. You're a big dude. I'm a big dude. I get called fat all the time. I know you do. I call you fat sometimes, but it's just as a joke. It's just out of love. Yeah, it's out of love. Um, it's like when we say... We, we call each other fat. Yeah, we don't spoon, we ladle. Yeah, we're, yeah. we're, we're, we're full-figured gentlemen. Um, but, you know, I'll look in the mirror and I'll say, you know, God, I, I, I got this big gut. Well, sometimes I eat too much and I get bloated, and that's what I see. And I, I address it as, geez, look how huge I am. I don't even like... I don't like going swimming. Really? Yeah. Just because... Yeah, and you're fuck you're you're a, a weightlifter. You're a competitive weightlifter. And my daughter's staring at me. She's like, "Why?" Yeah, you're a competitive weightlifter. You're in shape. You're in damn good shape. You're in better shape than I am. But that's something that that they addressed here, and it's a thing that mm, nobody can tell you, dude. You look fine. <laughs> I've got a. You know what I mean? I got a belly button hernia I've had for like twelve years. I know. I tried to push it in that one time for you. <laughs> yeah. And it's not, it doesn't hurt or anything. It's not intestinal. It just pokes out. It just pokes out. And <laughs> yeah, that time I had to try to push it in for you. You're oh, like, dude, it was, so it was, yeah, I know it did. I was like, did I, did I injure you? You're like, oh. And I think we recorded after that. We did. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they, so they address that. You know, they, uh, they, that, that kind of messed with her a little more because she went full force into eating disorder vomiting and she lost a ton of weight she had to be admitted to the hospital uh her lowest weight was 80 pounds that's terrible um she actually uh was suspended from the show for a period of time to gain weight because she looked too skeletal yeah and they were concerned about her health so they actually oh i hope that made the tape uh, i'm concerned about your health after that (laughs) anal blast that you just blessed us with (laughs) good luck um but yeah, she uh, she became kind of a spokesperson for eating disorders. So I guess you know turned that negative into a positive and tried to help other people. Yeah, much like we try to do. Um. So you know, Alan Thick, of course, he is a superstar. Well, see, there she is, right there, dude, Tracy Gold. That's, oh yeah, that's, that's just a couple months ago. Yeah, she looks good. Yeah, she looks very good. And then that's um. What's her name from... From Full House. Full, Full House, yeah. Uh, uh, Jody Sweeten. Jody Sweeten. And she looks amazing, too. Yeah, yeah, they both do. They're both both fantastic. This I, thing, I follow her on Facebook or on Instagram now. You do? Yeah. She's very. She's a very uh, 
she got she, um, was it just the other day or like when all the the Roe versus Wade got overturned? Yeah, and she was one of the protesters. She got arrested. She got she got arrested. She yes. got pushed by cops and arrested. Yep. And you know that's not you know stuff that shouldn't be happening, but yeah, but it's you know she's out there she's, you know basically putting her money where her mouth is. So that's cool. She's being a voice. Yeah, being a voice, being a being a a, a celebrity spokesperson. Uh, this thing won tons of awards. Uh, of course, uh, uh, Kurt Cameron won Best Young Actor in a New Series. Uh, he won Best Young Supporting Actor in a New Series. Or Jeremy Miller, I'm sorry, won Best Young Supporting Actor. Um, outstanding Lighting Direction for a Series, which, you know, lights are awesome. Yeah, I mean, lights are always good on TV show. Um, Kurt Cameron, again, exceptional performance of a young actor starring in a television comedy or drama. Um just you look down this list of nominated for all kinds of awards and actual winner Kirk Cameron got the Kids Choice Award in 1990 for the favorite TV actor um, again here outstanding lighting direction so this show so he had, got Kids Choice so he got slimed yeah nice uh, this show had had a very impressive lighting crew apparently because they, they won a lot of lighting awards um, and it spun off a series that I believe we're going to talk about yes it, it spun off a series that we're going to talk about in the second half. So, uh, what are your thoughts on, on this? They actually had a reunion movie. Oh, did they? The Growing Pains movie and uh, Growing Pains, The Return of the Seavers. They had two, two, two reunions. I liked Growing Pains. I don't remember a lot of it, but I remember watching it, and it, I always enjoyed it. Yeah, I this was one that I enjoyed, um, and this had a great theme song. Show me that smile. Oh, yeah, and then they paint them. That was Family Ties. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, Those Family Ties, they get painted. Yeah. Don't waste another minute on your crying. We're nowhere near the end. The best is ready to begin. As long as we've got each other. See, you do these YouTube songs, why don't you do these? We've got the world spinning <laughs> right in our you could do You can do 80 sitcom theme songs on your YouTube channel. Corey, you and me, we gotta be the luckiest dreamers that never stop dreaming. That's true, actually. Yeah, it is. We never stop dreaming. We don't. That's why we do this. Yes. We're, we're, we're working on that fame and fortune. <laughs> When's that gonna come? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that fortune part, I'm pretty interested in. Uh, yeah, this went all over the world, man. Uh, mainland China, Taiwan. It was it was dubbed in all these all these countries. What do you think? What do you, like, you did they? Do you think they dubbed who's the boss? Probably. And what's the Japanese word for A-O-O-A? It's probably just the same. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Japanese, Indonesia, Philippines, France, Germany, Italy, Netherlands, Spain, Aust- How do you... D- well, Australia just showed in Australia. They didn't have to dub it. No, uh, they speak English in Australia. <laughs> New Zealand, uh, Turkey, and all over Latin America. So, you know, this this one was, was worldwide. As all the, I think all of these kind of had that that stretch but uh did we do did we do fun facts about this not yet not yet let's do some fun facts um so alan thick and uh and joanna kearns who played the parents were both recently divorced when the show started oh no kidding so they found themselves bonding over their mutual experience and that helped with their on-screen chemistry they had really good chemistry Kirk Cameron and Tracy Gold playing siblings on this show. Not the first time they played siblings. What else did they play on? 
a McDonald's commercial. Oh shit! Yes, um, they were loving it. So the Golden Girls poked fun at uh, at Growing Pains. They were on a rival network. Oh shit! And B. Arthur's character Dorothy said in one episode, "I cannot believe that Alan Thicke has a hit series." I remember her saying that. Yes. Um, and coming from B. Arthur, that means something. Yeah, yeah, it really does. B. Arthur was a badass. She's a Marine, you know. She was. She was the toughest one out of all of them. Yes. Um, so, they uh, they wrote, you know, we talked about they wrote Tracy Gold out for, for a period of time. Yeah. Uh, they, she was in college. They, they said she, was, she went to London to pursue her college studies abroad. Uh now they just kill the person off, throw them off a cliff. Yeah, yeah. They, they and then if they need to bring them back, they bring them back somehow. That that's General Hospital, dude. Yeah. I thought you were dead. My twin. It yeah. was my twin. It was my twin. You you didn't you you didn't see that. Uh, Robin Thicke actually appeared in a few episodes as as a boy in the classroom. Um. So Alan Thicke's actual son. Robin. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um. So there was a. Uh, uh, a character named Stinky Sullivan. I remember Stinky. Played by Jamie Abbott. Yeah. And so he was first featured on the show as a different character who was Ben's bully. And they brought him back as Stinky Sullivan who was Ben's best friend. Which is kind of weird. So, yeah, your, your bully is now your best friend. But it wasn't the same character. No. That's kind of fucking weird. That doesn't happen in real life. Um... Kirk Cameron was very intent on keeping the show devoid of adult themes. He oftentimes would call the president of ABC and accuse the producers of being pornographers. Oh my God, he was crazy from the get-go. The the three um, producers that he accused most often actually resigned from the show because they were sick of his shit. Wow. Yeah, the, the, the official term is... They had had enough of Cameron's shenanigans, but that's a polite way of saying they were sick of his shit. Yeah. We're sick of this bratty kid. Yeah. Heather Graham was on an episode of this. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, Heather Graham. From probably, probably his girlfriend or the something. Austin Powers, uh, the Austin Powers... The Austin Powers uh, uh, show and uh, Roller Girl. I just watched Boogie Nights the other night. That's a good movie. I haven't watched that movie yeah. forever. Yeah, it's fun. It's a lot of fun to watch. feel bad about myself, though. Um... So I'm hung like a tic tac, <laughs> and Marky Mark was not in this movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, she was a tripod. The uh, the episode that she was in, she was in one episode when Mike Seavers goes to the winter ball with three girls, and Heather Graham is one of them, and her line is, "Hello, hello." Kirk Cameron, the oldest of the Seaver children, was over a year younger than his younger sister Tracy Gold. Oh wow. Yeah. He was just taller. He just made him look older. And Kirk Cameron's sister appeared in a couple of episodes, playing one of Ben's classmates. Yep. So, uh, Joanna Kern's only 16 years older than Tracy Golden, 17 years older than Kirk Cameron. Played, oh, wow. their, played the mother. And, oh, we cannot forget this character. This is the, this is a show that had Boner in it. It was a guy that had Boner in it. Richard Milhouse Boner Stabone. Uh, Andrew Koenig. He is the son of Walter Koenig, who played Chekhov on Star Trek. 
Um, oh wow! Unfortunately, uh, what the hell is that? That vibrated the whole house. Bass. How low can you go? Um, unfortunately, uh, Andrew Koenig took his own life in 2010. Ugh. Um, yeah, that's that's sad. Uh, wow. That goes. I mean, we gotta. What's the? Uh... And there, there was a. Uh, there was another little thing up here. They they poked. This makes sense now. Why this is in there? They poked fun at at Chekhov. Um, Mike Mike Seaver talks about the confusion over uh, the Russian playwright Chekhov saying he thought Chekhov was the Russian guy on Star Trek, and Andrew Koenig was Mike's best friend Boner, was Ooh. his actually a son. That's awesome. So yeah, they they, they kind of weave that into the the the, uh, the, the script. And so I know we've talked about this a few times. You know, you know, suicide. It's nothing to. Nothing to laugh about or anything like that, but there's a new number. Yes, yes. A new suicide hotline number, and it says for everywhere in the country, you just call nine eight eight or text nine eight eight, and someone will contact you. And that's twenty four um, hours. Twenty four hours they, a day. They speak English, Spanish, and yeah, it's twenty four hours a day. Yeah, and if you are in need of someone to talk to, please utilize that uh, because we we don't like to. No one likes to hear of, of someone getting to that point no. where, they, where they take their own life. So, yeah, please, um, if you feel like you need someone to talk to, 988. They, and they changed it because the other one was too hard to remember. Yeah. It's a, it's a long number. They, so 988, very simple. And it's about time they did that. That's good. Um, Howard Stern used to give this show a lot of shit. Howard Stern gave everything a yeah, lot of shit. But, but he did it with style. When Howard, sometimes. <laughs> when when Howard Stern um, would give something shit, he would just make it more popular. Oh, yeah. So, in a way, yeah. I think he gives Kirk Kramer a lot of shit now. Yeah, he, he, he directs a lot of his his shit to Kirk Cameron. Uh, Jeremy Miller says that, that he and Kirk Cameron would uh, incessantly <laughs> tease... Uh, Tracy Gold. I gotta tell you something before we take our break. Okay. I I had a dream. Oh boy. About it was about our show, and this was last night. I had this dream. We got a cease and desist order. From who? Tom Selleck. Why the hell would we get? I don't know. We don't give him any shit. <laughs> I don't know. We I think we 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 must have played something from oh, one of his shows. We, we played something from Magnum PI. Yeah. And we got a letter from his lawyer, and Tom Selleck actually showed up and said, "You guys cannot." put my stuff on your show anymore. Did he, did like, he show up while we were recording? No. He just because showed we, up, we would just, air that. He just showed up and I was in some weird house and <laughs> I, just, I was like, all right, let's not, we won't, we won't play any more of that stuff. As soon as he left, I'm like, dude, we're playing his shit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> did you know that Bruce Willis was considered for the role of Jason Seaver? Oh, that would be great. Bruce Willis. That would be a completely different show. Yes, it would. So what? Uh, oh, and and the the parents' names, Mike and Carol, were obviously lifted from the Brady bunch. Yeah. Um. And, uh, that's the difference between the Brady bunch and these shows. These shows had problems. Yes. The Brady bunch, they didn't. Never. And had they just. Well, later in the Brady bunch series, they just sang about their problems. Yeah, they had a little, that little band. Yeah, which was a ripoff of the Partridge Family. Yeah. So, what were your thoughts on Growing Pains? I mean, it was a it was a wildly popular show. I liked it. I, I did like Growing Pains. Yeah, it was it was a fun one. As this was a fun one. This one I was very envious of. Silver Spoons. 
I was very envious of the show too. Man, they had a arcade in their house. They had a train. Yeah. Um. So Silver Spoons. The basic idea of Silver Spoons was. Um, Hold on. We gotta take a pee break. Oh, you gotta pee. I gotta pee. Okay, we're gonna take a little potty break here. Potty, potty, potty song. I see that. What kind of sandwich you got there? Bologna. Bologna. Uh, you know, I got some, some thick cut bologna the other day, and uh, I just fried it. It's just, I just had a, a, I'm just frying bologna up. I like fried bologna. I love fried bologna. So, and I put a little lemon pepper on it. It's good. Good stuff. Um, We're you, being judged by my daughter right now. You know who, who probably wouldn't eat fried bologna is, uh, is Edward Stratton III. Edward Stratton III is uh, the father in Silver Spoons. He uh, he's a single dad to his young son Ricky Stratton, played by. Uh, he would not eat bologna. Ricky Schroeder. He probably doesn't even know what bologna is. No, he's got like um, caviar. Caviar. I, they did. I think they did eat a lot of rich '80s foods. Oh, I know. Yeah, they did. So, um, Ricky or Edward was unaware that he had a son. He was married, and they got divorced, and then he's unaware that he had a son. And then Ricky comes to live with him. So it is uh, Joel Higgins was Edward Stratton. Ricky Schroeder was Ricky Stratton. Uh, Leonard Lightfoot played the attorney. And Erin Gray was in this. She was the uh, per, uh, personal assistant and later love interest. Oh, nice. I remember her. Jason Bateman was uh, Ricky's best friend for the first couple of seasons of the show. And then he was replaced by one of our favorites. Alfonso. Alfonso Roberto. Which I, I told you once I named a goat after him. Yes. Yeah. Goats. 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 We like goats. Um, so, yeah, this uh, this show, I have to say, jealous as hell. Because I wanted that arcade. I wanted to train in my oh, house. Oh, dude, he had... The house that everybody wanted. Oh, yeah. It, it was just like, can I get a video game? Uh, you have an Atari. No, I want one of those. And, yeah. So, this was kind of the... Uh, the tension was between Ricky trying to be a kid and his dad trying to make him not a kid and not knowing how to deal with a kid. Mm -hmm. 
I the dad would try to make money solve all the problems, and in the end, it was actually like attention that Ricky wanted. Yeah, he wanted his father's love, um, and then the grandfather would be introduced, and he wanted he thought money more money would would solve problems. Uh, that would solve problems with people that had money. You know. Yeah, that's what I think. More money. So, so if you don't have money, it doesn't solve your problems. Right. It just makes your problems worse because you spend that money and then you have less money than you had before. <laughs> right. So. I talk from experience. He, <laughs> Ricky, um, Ricky's mom remarried and she kind of got rid of him and put him in a, boarding, a military boarding school. Yep. And he left the boarding school and went to live with his dad. And yeah. It was, uh, I mean, it was fun. It was a fun show. Uh, I did like Silver Spoons. About the most I remember about it, though, was the the arcade. Yeah. And just how, how they had everything. I do remember one episode where uh, I'm sure it was it was Jason Bateman as the friend, and there was another little friend there. And they were watching, they were in the father's office, and they were watching... Late night television. I remember this. And they stumbled upon some um, pornographic films. Yep. And so they started watching them, and they're like, oh my God, why is so and so, why why doesn't she have clothes on? That's not how you check her temperature. Yeah, yes. (laughs) But they're like, why doesn't she have clothes on? And the explanation was one of the other kids goes, oh, well, she's getting an examination from her doctor. And they go, Well, why doesn't the doctor have clothes on? And they, he just looked at him and goes, I think that's why we're not supposed to be watching this movie. <laughs> and I, I remember that very vividly. And oh, my was, God. It made me laugh so hard. It wasn't the Scramble channel like we had. No, no. that Yeah, the scram- everybody knows what we're talking about there. <laughs> Where you would wait and just watch and watch, and hopefully your parents didn't walk in your room. Yeah, as you're watching uh, Scrambled. Scrambled, rooms. yeah. You're watching Static, hoping to catch a nipple. Because every once in a while, the static it would like the channel would come in. Yeah, just briefly, and you and then and then you're and like, you, you "What know, the hell did I'll, I just I'll see?" I'll tell you off the air why that happened, but I'm not going to say it now. Oh, because you have the inside scoop. I know how. I, I know. Yeah, why you have the inside scoop because you work for the cable company. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this was a fun show. Let's let's see what what kind of f- fun facts they have on this. Now, I do know that it it uh, it, it it won. Um, four primetime Emmys. Uh, let's just find some fun facts here about about the old Silver Spoons. Hey, Mona's eating a bologna sandwich. Yeah, well, I'm sure that's not the only time she ate bologna. <laughs> <laughs> so during during the uh, during the first three seasons, and this is like the behind the scenes stuff. Ricky Schroeder. Alfonso Roberto and other child actor cast members attended school. You know, they had a, like a tutor on set. Yeah. With other child actors who also starred in the NBC shows of that era, including members of Different Strokes, Facts of Life, Hello Larry, Give Me a Break, Family Ties, Punky Brewster, and Valerie. Oh, nice. So all these kids grew up together. Yeah. Um, Derek Taylor who was portrayed by Jason Bateman, mm-hmm. became so popular that the producers were concerned that he was upstaging Ricky Schroeder. So they got rid of him. So they got rid of him. And I mean, he did pretty well for himself. Yeah, he's he's on uh, Ozark now. Yeah. And that's a great show. He was also in Dodgeball. Yes, he was. 
Uh, he played Cotton, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, I love that character. The train set that ran through the living room. That's rad. Yeah. <laughs> Bold move. Let's see if it pays off for it. Yeah. Uh, the train set that ran through the living room was actually a real steam engine. Oh, no shit. Uh, Ricky Schroeder, in an interview in 2015, said that the train was actually big, very heavy, and dangerous. And uh, it was the 80s, so we were all made of, we were all bulletproof back then. They said that most of the cast members really loved when they got to ride on the train, but Ricky Schroeder actually had anxiety because he knew the danger that was involved. Because it was a steam engine, there was a lot of compressed air and steam yeah. involved, and it could explode. Um. So, uh, I said that, you know, Ricky Schroeder went to school with all those other child actors. Yeah. He also recalls playing with them on the on the sets during breaks. And he said that uh, Todd Bridges from Different Strokes used to chase him around with a water uh, pistol that uh, that Todd Bridges had peed in. Oh, my God. He, he, he filled a water pistol full of his own urine. And Todd Bridges is the older brother. Willis, yes. Yeah. God, he sounds like a dick. Yeah. Um, Silver Spoons was supposed to be aimed at adults because it was going to be based on the movie Arthur. Really? Where it was, uh, you know, Arthur was an alcoholic. That, yeah, that's one of my favorite movies. Yeah, alcoholic that had to deal with, you know, he was a rich alcoholic. Yeah. That had to deal with living life. And uh, they morphed it into Edward Stratton III, and they kind of changed it a little bit. And then they, when they wanted it to be the kind of the vehicle that, that shot Ricky Schroeder's stardom, you know, into the stratosphere, they were like, yeah, let's not have him be an alcoholic. Let's just have him be, he didn't know he had a kid. Yeah. You know, uh, they changed that alcoholic thing. I mean, it did launch his career. He's, he's done pretty well for himself. Jason Bateman and Ricky Schroeder once got into trouble. Because they were fishing in the Jaws Lake on the Universal Studios back lot. <laughs> oh, God. According to Bateman, they would ride their bikes, and when the studio tram would come by, uh, they would, they would like, I guess they would grab a hold of it, and it would drag them all the way up the hill to the Jaws Lake, where they would walk out in the middle of the two-foot lake, they'd roll up their pants, and they'd scoop up all these goldfish that were in there. So the, uh, the studio sent a note to their parents saying, we are trying to scare a bunch of people with a great white shark and to see a couple of 11-year-olds out there with a Ziploc bag playing grab ass with a bunch of goldfish really wrecks it. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, they used the same doorbell chime for the Strat residence as was used on the Jeffersons. Really? Yes. Um, yeah. Let's just save three cents. Yeah, <laughs> let's just reuse that. That's um, <laughs> playing grab ass with a bunch of goldfish. Is that actually what it said? That's what that's what Jason Bateman said. The note. Oh the my note god, said, yeah. dude, that's so funny. Yeah, uh, they would take turns. They they were actually working arcade games, and they would take turns playing them during breaks. And they would actually place wagers on who could get the high score. Oh no shit! Yeah, and I can remember. It, it, it what I re, what I remember of the show, the games that were featured in the front would change from time to time. Yep. It was the new game that was coming out, and I remember Dragon's Lair being one of them. Yes. Uh, when Dragon's Lair came out, Dragon's Lair you will remember from our very first, first episode. episode. Yeah. So what are your? Th I mean, I I I 
don't remember a ton about Silver Spoons. I, I remember watching it. I remember watching it. I loved it. I remember being jealous of him. Yes. And that makes me want, actually, you know, I think I kind of hated Ricky Schroeder. Because of that, yeah. Yeah. I remember going in, and Ricky Schroeder had this haircut where his hair was kind of shaved over the ears and then kind of tapered into a feathered hairdo. Yep. I went in, and I told my barber, I want my haircut like Ricky Schroeder. And when I left there, I looked absolutely nothing like Ricky Schroeder. That's even better. Yeah, it was like the, it looked like a hack job. It was like really short over my ears, and then it was like I had two different haircuts. It's like he started out doing a flat top and then feathered the top of it. So oh I had like this God. feathered hair with like shaved sides, which later in life, that's kind of how I wore my hair. But I, I did the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I went in and said, I want, I want a Ricky Schroeder haircut. My barber had no fucking clue who Ricky Schroeder was. Do you think and that Ricky Schroeder's character and the kid from the toy went to the same military school? Probably. And the kid from Over the Top. Yes. And the kids from uh, Toy Soldiers. Yeah, yeah, they was, all it, went to the same military. School. Yes, it was the same. Those are all rich brats. Yeah, it was. It was only there was there was one. There was one. They sent all the kids there. Yes, and that's where. Well, that's not where uh, Ted Theodore Logan was going to go. He was going to go to Alaska. Yeah, yeah, that was the Alaskan one. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so yeah, Silver Spoon, fun show, fun show. Um, kind of pissed us off as kids, but fun show. Yeah, cause it might be fun to revisit. Yeah, I'm about to check that out again. Yeah. So, we still got to watch Cowboys from Moo Mesa. We do. We do. Um, here's this one. And this one started out in the 70s, but it uh, it lasted until 84. It, we're in eight seasons. Um, that was Three's Company. This was my brother's favorite show. Three's Company was yeah. fun. And I, why, go, going back and watching it. This is where my brother got his film career idea. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's what inspired him to become... What's his name? Matthew Lillard. Matthew Lillard. That's his stage name, yeah. if you didn't know. I hope he listens. <laughs> <laughs> he called you an asshole. <laughs> he told me to fuck off. Yeah. Well, me too. <laughs> he just fuck off, Corey. <laughs> um, so it was, it, if those of you who don't follow me on Facebook or friends me on Facebook, it was a picture of Matthew Lillard that said, what is the first movie you think when you see Matthew Lillard? Well, I blacked out his name and put my brother's name over it. Because his brother looks just like Matthew Lillard. Or Jason Newstead. Yes. They're all um, one and the same. And so I posted that, and my brother finally seen it, and he told me to fuck off. Yep. Um, so, Three's Company, going back and watching it, I realized that there was, a, there was a lot more to the plot than I actually knew when I was a kid. Uh, they were all sleeping together. Well, yeah, but... Um, so, the story revolves around three single roommates... Uh, in the beginning, it was uh, Janet Wood, played by Joyce DeWitt, Chrissy Snow, played by Suzanne Summers, and Jack Tripper, played by John Ritter. They are all platonically living together. The, the first, didn't they, he become their roommate because he passed out their bathtub? Um, I think that's how it started. They didn't know him, and they had a party. He ended up passing out there, because he and he's like, oh, I'm here, I might as well just move in. Yes. I, and that's how some people are. Yeah, it, I think you've had a few roommates like that. Yes, I have. Uh, yeah, he crashed a going away party of their roommate, and the next morning he's passed out in their bathtub, and they need someone to cover her share. The, the Eleanor is their their former roommate. They need someone to um, cover her share of the rent, so they offer to let him move in, and he accepts because he is currently living at the local YMCA. 
But their landlord, Stanley Roper... Which is Don Knotts. Uh, not in the beginning. Oh. Don Knotts was, was later. Wasn't Schneider in this? No, that was uh, One Day at a Time. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, so Stanley Roper, the, the, the landlord, does not allow mixed-gender groups of unmarried people to live together. So they tell them that uh, Jack is a homosexual. So he has to... Prove it? He has to, to to live up to that farce when the root when the landlord's around, um, so you know he, he he allows it, but the wife of the landlord figures out that Jack is not in fact a homosexual, but she trusts him, so she keeps the secret, uh, and Jack in fact is pretty much a womanizer. Yeah, uh, along with uh, with his. Uh, Best buddy, uh, uh, Larry. Who played Larry? It was... Um, um, I can tell you real quick here if I can find my damn notes. Um, my, my notes being IMDB. Um, that would be... Cast of characters. Goddamn, where is it? I don't see it. It's not even on here. Richard Klein. Oh, yeah. Oh, dude, I like him. Larry Dallas. And they hang out at a bar called the Regal Beagle. I think it was a bar here in town, too. Regal Beagle had uh, red carpeted walls. And I used to go to a bar in Lincoln called Tamo Shatner's that had red carpeted walls that was almost identical to the Regal Beagle. That's amazing. Um, so eventually, uh, Chrissy Snow moves out, and they get Terry... A new, a new roommate, Terry, who is played by Priscilla Barnes. That's after Suzanne Summers left? Yes, Suzanne Summers left, and Priscilla Barnes joined up. Priscilla Barnes, known for many things, but she was in um, Devil's Rejects. Oh, yeah, she was. Yeah, she, she played one of, the, uh, one of the band members that is murdered in the hotel room. Yep. Um, so it's ju- it just basically is them trying to fool the landlord into letting Jack stay there by keeping up this this ruse that they have concocted. Uh, I remember it being very funny, but I didn't understand. I didn't understand that part of the of the plot at all, because I was a kid. Um, I didn't understand a lot of the jokes because they were very sexual in nature. Oh, yeah, big time. Um, I remember really liking the theme song, though. Come and knock on our door. We've been waiting for you. That's all I know. You know who did that? Ray Charles wrote that. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Um, so a lot of the humor was, you know, they, it was a farce. It, it, a lot of innuendo, a lot of misunderstanding of words. And then John Ritter was the king of physical comedy in, in the sitcom world. Yeah. He was like the Chevy Chase, you know. But he was funnier. Yeah. In my opinion. I think I like Chevy Chase, but he was funnier and a lot nicer. John Ritter was supposed to, he was from everybody that has worked with him, always said he was a nice guy. Yeah, super, he was very super easy, nice guy. He was just a big sweetheart. So there were also little subplots like uh the Ropers had a very dysfunctional marriage. Um Janet did not want to have anything to do with Jack, and he was always hitting on his roommates. Um, and then, of course, uh, the friendship between Jack and Larry, and how Larry would always 
kind of be a, a shitty friend. Yeah. He would, he would use Jack a lot for money or to get laid. Um, Jack was actually the only character that appeared in every episode. Really? Yeah. And then later on, Don Knotts became Mr. Furley. And Don Knotts, of course, uh, was probably in the twilight of his career at this point. Yeah. And what I always thought was hilarious about Don Knotts is his his facial expressions. Oh, Don Knotts had the best facial expressions. Yes, he you know his the way he reacted, you know, he would have that high squeaky you know tone to his voice when he was trying to make a point. Yeah. And when they would pull one over on him, he would just get this look on his face and it was hilarious. You can't do that. <laughs> Why would you do that? Uh they uh this was a, a mid-season replacement for for something. And usually the mid-season replacements would run for six episodes and they'd be canceled. They never thought that it would go anywhere, but it broke it broke ratings. It, you know, like the records that they had for ratings, it yeah. broke all those. It actually broke barriers. It was the highest rated mid, mid-season show ever broadcast on the ABC network. Um, so it became a regular, you know, in its first full season, it became a regular, uh, regular show. And they did, in 2003, they did a two-hour television movie called Behind the Camera, The Unauthorized Story of Three's Company. It was a docudrama. Featured actors that portrayed the lead characters in the series, and it covered the entire run of the series. They spoke about different uh, different aspects of it, but with most of the movie featured or focused on the uh, departure of Suzanne Summers because uh, of the contract negotiations that failed. Yeah. Um, John Ritter and Suzanne Summers had input, but they did not appear in the project. In 2016, New Line Cinema began negotiations to obtain the filming rights for Three's Company. They have a screenplay, and they still plan to uh, produce the film. Oh, nice. So let's find some fun facts about this uh, this fun little show. Um, and like, like I said, it, I didn't understand a lot of it because it was we were little a little oh, yeah, it was a little over over our heads. Um, well, a, the first line in here features a goat, so I have to say it. Uh, in the show's opening, beginning with the sixth season, a toddler walks up to Joyce DeWitt as she's feeding a goat. That toddler is Jason Ritter, the son of John Ritter. And he was uncredited because it was in the opening credits. Oh. Um, what else? Uh, so, the reason the Ropers left, they sold the building yeah. to Don Knotts. Um, to Mr. Furley. Didn't they move to Miami or some shit? Yes. Well, the reason is they did a spinoff called The Ropers. I remember this. And so the actor, Norman Fell, who played Mr. Roper, did not want to leave this uh, this show and do a spinoff because the show was very popular. Yeah. So they convinced him. It took them six months for him to agree that a spinoff would be a good idea, and the spinoff failed. Yeah. So probably wasn't the best idea. Well, it's like you take these characters and you put them in a room and it works. If you yeah. separate these characters, it's not going to have the same appeal 
that it did when you had everybody on the same on the same page or on the same show. It's like when they did the spinoff, like when they did Friends ended, and then they did, did they did Joey. Yo, know, it sucked. Yeah, it was terrible. Yeah. So Larry was only supposed to be a one-time guest appearance, but they enjoyed the chemistry he had with John Ritter, so they made him a reoccurring character and eventually a permanent cast member. Uh, Priscilla Barnes says that the years on on this show were the unhappiest in her professional career. Really? She didn't like the backstage atmosphere, and she almost quit. Oh, shit. Yes. Like, she almost quit as soon as she was cast. She she showed up, and she's like, I don't dig this at all. Um, Joyce DeWitt, who played Janet, refused to ever be shown bare-legged and almost always wore pantyhose when her legs were visible. She didn't shave her legs? Um, no. Uh, that's that, I just think she just didn't want to be bare-legged for whatever reason. Um, and her commitment to using pantyhose... She was only tan from the waist up? Yes. The waist down. Waist down. She well, she, wore the, the, she appeared very tan from the waist down. Yeah. Um, but her, her commitment to using pantyhose earned her an endorsement deal with Legs brand pantyhose. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's one that came in the eggs. Yes. Yes, they did. That was like their big... Uh, and they had like a, a display in the middle of the grocery store. Yeah. They had like a big pantyhose display and I was I would always like go by and like oh look it's the eggs off of TV and mom's like you don't need those you don't you, you, there's, you have no reason to want that no you know I, I probably wanted to put them on my head because I probably saw it in a Mark and Mindy in a, yeah, well, he, oh yeah he did didn't he so um, uh, we'll talk about that later what else do we have here? So there's a lot of stuff about Suzanne Summers and her, uh, her, her demands for more money and the drama that ensued. So that was a big deal. I wonder how that went over when she did the other show on uh, TGIF. Oh yeah, we're gonna talk about that later. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Lucille Ball was a big fan of the show. She hosted a retrospective of the Best of Three's Company in the fifth season, and this is the only show she ever did something like that for. Really? Yeah. So she was that big of a. Maybe that, that big, big of a, a fan. fan. Yeah. Um, Jack open, Jack was a chef, and he opened a restaurant, and uh, Larry brings his Greek family there for dinner, and it's revealed that Larry's last real last name is Dalopoulos, and he changed it to Dallas because it was just easier to spell. Dalopoulos. Uh, before Joyce DeWitt got the part of Janet, Kathy Bates auditioned for it. Oh, that'd have been good. Yeah. I like Kathy Bates. Both Chrissy, played by Suzanne Summers, and Mr. Furley, played by Don Knotts, have a trademark snort when they left. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, she was the, uh, Suzanne Summers played the dumb blonde. Yes. Uh, Jack Tripper was in the U.S. Navy. Um, Suzanne Summers referred to the day she got fired from Three's Company as the day my career ended. Her career ended when she left Three's Company. Didn't she get like a big? Didn't she get a big spot with um, the Thighmaster? Thighmaster, yeah. yeah. You're sitting there doing the motion. I can see it out the corner of my eye, and I'm like, oh, that's the Thighmaster motion. <laughs> that is the Thighmaster. <clears throat> my grandma had a Thighmaster. My mom had one. Um, did you ever? Did you ever mess with the Thighmaster? Oh yeah, dude. Uh, did Lady you? I got these great legs from. Did you ever, uh, like, screw up on the Thighmaster and have it? shoot off and hit you in the nuts no oh I did 
I did. It was a. Uh, it was no, but I remember yeah, the controversy it, it, behind him. Like they would break and stab women in the legs. Yep. Well, this one, um, it. I think I was wearing shorts or something, and it, I didn't have it properly placed in between my thighs. And when I was, and I think I was standing up at the time. Yeah. And I was just going to town doing the thigh master. I look, <laughs> I look like I, I look like I was doing the the fucking funky chicken, you know. Oh my god! And it slipped and it shot straight up in the air and hit me right in the nuts. Yeah. Oh, that's the best story ever. It sucked. It was bad. Uh, yeah. But uh, yes, so so three's company. This would have been pretty early in your life. This when been it was like, on. I think it, yeah, it was seventies to what eighty five. Yeah. So do do you remember watching? I don't remember. It? I remember watching it. I don't remember a lot. I remember Don Knotts being you, in it. Well, yeah, that was towards the end of it. Yeah. Um, you probably remember watching it like a Nick at Night or something. I think so. I uh, wish they still had shows on Nick at Night. I know. I wish you know there should be a network of all these shows because yeah, you can stream them, but it would be fun just to watch them like we used to, where it's you watch and whatever's on next, you just mm-hmm. watched. You know, a used lot to be a lot of Mash. Yeah, I like Mash. I do we'll, like Mash. We'll talk about Mash in a different episode. We've got a plan for that. Um, but it was just based on a British. TV show called Man About the House. We get a lot. We steal a lot of shows from Britain. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know. It's, uh, I guess it's, you know, it must be good because Friends was stolen from a, a British show. Yeah. Uh, a, a lot of, a lot of shows were. So, I, I just don't know why we never got an American counterpart to Benny Hill. So, and one more to, to, to round out our popular Shows of the 80s. Uh, and that would be Perfect Strangers. I know we have fans that love this show. We have two diehard fans yes. of this show that we know of. Yeah. Who are they? Mike Fantastic and Sam Roca. Yes. Uh, so, Perfect Strangers. This ran for eight seasons. Most of these shows went for seven or eight seasons, which is pretty good. Um, 86 to 93... And we talked about this because we had Mike call in. Mike called in to, to uh, tell us. The, he the, sang us the Bibby Bobka song. Yeah. So it was uh, the kind of turbulent and rocky coexistence of the Midwestern American Larry Appleton and his distant cousin from the uh, Mediterranean country of Mipos, Balki Bartokamus. Um, basically, the humor in this show was. Larry being very straight-laced and very reluctant to have his cousin live with him. Mm-hmm. And Balky not understanding. Yeah, he, he had no clue who he was. Kara reminded me of Latka. Yeah. yeah. There was a lot of comparison to Latka. And Balky just didn't understand America. He would get confused with words. He'd get confused with why you did certain things. Why... Just all things American. He was just very confused about. Um, and then he would introduce his wacky customs from his country. Yes. And his wacky dress, you know, that he would wear, the the, the clothing that he would wear. It was very uh, Eastern European. Yeah. Um, so this was uh, created by one of the co-creators of Mork and Mindy. And... During the 84 Summer Olympics in L.A., uh, America had a big, uh, renewed wave of patriotic sentiment. 
And they thought, well, how much fun would it be if there was a comedy about an immigrant who moved here and tried to fit in? And it was rejected by all the major networks. Did all he get a green card? I don't know. I know he came uh, to the to the United States first by donkey cart, mm-hmm. then by boat, and he saw the Statue of Liberty, and he smiled, and then he showed up in, in Chicago. Chicago. Uh, so, I in the Statue of Liberty was in Chicago. Well, he he. It must be on one of the Great Lakes now. Yeah, yeah. Where it was? Maybe it's, maybe it was a, a a model or something. Uh, in December of '84, Bronson Pinshaw, who played Balky Bartokamus, gained a lot of uh, notice for his role in Beverly Hills Cop as Serge. So I thought he did Perfect Strangers before he did Beverly Hills Cop. Well, uh, Perfect Strangers started in '86. Beverly Hills Cop was in '84. Oh shit! So Aqua Foley. So it, it was his um, it's accent. Serge. That accent that he did. That it was. Not an accent that was easily placed in to any country. It was just a very generic but unique accent. And that that's what kind of got him. They're like, hey, this guy could play this role. So when they when they took Bronson Pinshaw and said, this is the guy that's going to play this role, ABC was like, we're in. And the original name was The Greenhorn. The Greenhorn. But... Bronson Pinshaw was unavailable at the time because he had taken on a role in the NBC series Sarah alongside of Gina Davis. I didn't even heard of that one. Well, it's because <clears throat> Sarah failed to find an audience and it was canceled in 85. So Bronson Pinshaw was now available. So they went full force into Perfect Strangers. Um, and the original cousin Larry, Louie Anderson. Really? But... After they filmed the pilot, Louie Anderson was not considered right for the role. No. So they got Mark Lynn Baker, who had recently been seen in a guest appearance on Moonlighting. They had an immediate chemistry, and they put it into production. So Perfect Strangers was hilarious because it was so absurd. Yeah. The, the, some, some of it was uncomfortable humor. Not necessarily derogatory humor, but just very uncomfortable situations. And a lot of it from misunderstanding. Well, it's just because Balky was from another country. He didn't know the U.S. customs. Yeah, and, th- I mean, they, they use that to, uh, they use that to make things kind of, you know, odd and and awkward, and that, it worked for him. But this, you think this show would work today? Possibly, but I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think a lot of these shows would work today. No. Just because somebody would be offended by something. Um, Balky was originally named Vev. Vev. Bronson Pinshaw came up with the name Balky after his sister's dog, who was named Balcony and nicknamed Balky. You were named after the dog? Yes, he was named after the dog. I like Indiana. He originally turned the role down because he thought it was too familiar or too uh, similar to his role in Beverly Hills Cop. And they wanted him because of his performance in that film. So he, uh, uh, Bronson Pinshaw had visited Greece and at some point he changed his mind because he wanted to play the character and base it on the generosity that he felt 
you know, overseas overseas with the, the Greek people. So that's kind of cool. Um, Louis Anderson originally cast as Lou Appleton. And they just, yeah, they said no. It didn't work. So they, they changed Lou it. to Larry. They made it Larry. Cousin Larry is a lot better than Lou. Cousin, uh, cousin Lou. Cousin Lou. Cousin Larry. Um, Mepos was a fic, uh, fictional island, but it was based on the real-life Mediterranean, Mediterranean island of Cyprus. And Mepos is derived from the Greek word for maybe. And they try to... Maybe. Throughout the show's run, Balky would reveal certain details about Mepos. The country only had one phone. But oh, had, yeah. But right. it also has call waiting. <laughs> the national sport was spitting. Only the royal family of Mepos has indoor plumbing. And aside from sheep herding, the only other business on the island is a 7-Eleven store. They have a 7-Eleven. <laughs> yes. Um... Bronson Pinshaw claims he never wore underwear for his character on the show. Why? <sighs> Who knows? He was just trying, really trying to be in character, and they didn't have underwear and meeples. Well, they didn't have an underwear factory. Didn't have a store to buy any underwear. Mm-hmm. The name of Balky's stuffed sheep was Dimitri. He had a stuffed sheep that he brought with him from the old country. I would. So, um... Yeah, and this show had a, a spinoff. Uh, I don't believe we talk, we're going to talk about. Was it just Balky's spinoff? Uh, no, it. Uh, let me let me pull that up because it has nothing to do with <laughs> with Balky. Uh, it was uh, Family Matters. That was a spinoff. Yes. Uh, well, because they're both in Chicago. Well, Family Matters. Eighty-nine to ninety-eight. Uh, it was centered around Harriet Winslow, and she originated that role on Perfect Strangers. Oh, no kidding. And then, uh, of course, her, her cop husband, Carl Winslow. And this is the show that gave us Steve Urkel. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it was a spinoff just because they, they never had a direct uh, crossover. They, originally, they did want Balky and Cousin Larry to appear in the pilot, but they cut that scene. They each, so, um, Mark Lynn Baker and Melanie Wilson, who they're both on Perfect Strangers, they each guest starred on Family Matters as a different character. Oh, no kidding. Mark Lynn Baker directed an episode, and there were, there were hints that they were related. Yeah. But never a direct correlation. So... Um, I would have never guessed that. There, there have been some pop culture references to Perfect Strangers. In pro wrestling, the team of Edge and Christian referenced Balky in a backstage segment on on Raw, uh, where Edge tells Christian, so that's why Balky is a perfect stranger. Um, in the show Masters of None, uh, per they wanted to do a, a remake of Perfect Strangers for the country of India, and they took an, an, an Indian-American and his cousin from India and just did, like, a spoof, basically, yeah. um, on it. So there's been a few different 
variations, you know, or, or, or references in, in different shows. The Goldbergs paid homage to Perfect Strangers. Yep, Goldbergs have done a lot of homage to a lot of yeah, shows. Yeah, Goldbergs is awesome. And then there were a lot of foreign versions um, where it would be, you know, a resident of that country and a cousin from another country. Yeah. Uh, you know, there was Brazil, Russia, Indonesia, Saudi Arabia, Germany... And then they translated the American version into a ton of different kind of, of languages. So Perfect Strangers probably, I would say, maybe one of our favorites of this list that we've covered yeah. the first half here. So any any more thoughts on Perfect Strangers? Mm-mm. No. Okay, well, any any references or any, any ideas or, or anything on any of these shows that we covered? No, like we've done pretty good. Yeah, these were the popular ones. Yeah. So we're going to take a little break here, and then we're going to come back with something you might not remember as well. So uh, we're going to go ahead and take a little break. Do you have to pee again? I don't. Not yet, anyway. Well, maybe go try. Okay, I'm done. You didn't go anywhere. I know. Hey, you went on the couch. I did. Marking my spot. Ew. (laughs) And now, these messages. On the next Family Ties. What's up? You are. Every night. When Alex has trouble sleeping, it's a nightmare for everyone. Alex, you have to get some kind of help or a hotel room. So the Keatons try to help him out with a little slumber party. What do you think? It's no use, Dad. I know it's you. Sweet dreams, Alex. Next time on Family Ties. I'm not sleeping yet. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Tonight at 7 on TV 29. Our lineup moves on. There's no way that we'll stop. We'll show you the best. We'll show you the top. Perfect Strangers is coming. No way. We're right here. That's right. We're up next, so let's kick into gear. Thanksgiving's upon us, but money's my goal. It's a holiday, cousin. Show some control. But I have a plan. A plan that won't fail. Oh, sure. What's the plan? Turkeys for sale. Tuesday, Angela's out of a job. What about her feelings? What about her future? What about me? Will our fortunes change? Let's spin the wheel and find out who wins, Vanna. <laughs> Who's the boss, then? Let's go, let's go! One, two, three, four! To love that old time rock and roll! Don't miss a beat! It's the season premiere of Growing Pains, right after Who's the Boss? Tuesday. Come and knock on our door. Come and knock on our door. Dance on our floor. Come and dance on our floor. Take a step that is new. Take a step that is new. Give a lovable space that needs your face. Please come by it too. You'll see that life is a ball again. Laughter is coming for you. Down at our rendezvous. Down at our rendezvous. Please come by it too. Picture a lady who has it all. She's sick. Everything about me is real. Glamorous. Exciting. Daring. I'll tell you, I'll leave the fried bacon in the nude without a second thought. She's the picture of perfection. So, she's not so perfect. But Mama will have you laughing on Mama's Family. She's a small wonder, lovely 
bright and soft curves. She's a small wonder, a child unlike other girls. She's a miracle, and I grant you, she'll enchant you at her sight. She's a small wonder, and she'll make your heart take flight. La, 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 la. Microchips here and there She's a small wonder Brings love and laughter everywhere There's a lot of crime out there and somebody's got to fight it Hello, Sheriff Ranger speaking Somebody's got to take charge and be forceful. Dennis, Dennis, kiss me. Somebody's gotta show them crime doesn't pay. We are cops. And she's gotta use every trick in the book. Suzanne Summers, she's the sheriff. Today at 5.30 on Fox, WXIN 59. You're invited to a party. No need to dress up. We know who we are. Sure we do. There's no reason for us to change. Just come as you are. Dance the night away. The landlord won't mind. Oh, you're wrong there. I'd be the first to complain. Hope we bump into you. Grab a seat. Take off your shoes. Get comfortable. It's Three's Company at 9. That's very good. And Bosom Buddies at 9.30. That's perfect. But not for long. When? Just through September 10th. Only on 21 Alive. Color me surprised. show on earth is definitely <laughs> out of this world yeah. coming september 16th on universal 9 and we are back did you uh did you have a good break i did good didn't do anything just kind of sat here yeah we just kind of hung out and got organized for organized the... went over our notes and we're still watching who's the boss yes so we mentioned a lot of really popular shows in the first half and this second part, we're going to talk about some that maybe weren't as, as popular. Some of them were, like, like we kind of discovered as we were going over our notes, some of them were more popular than we thought they were, but they didn't gain the popularity of those first ones that we talked about. No. Um, some of them because they just weren't great shows. Some of them just because they didn't, they just missed something. And some because they were failed spinoffs. Mm-hmm. Much like this first one we're going to talk about. Uh, so we talked about Three's Company. Yes, we did. Well, when that ended, they had Three's a Crowd. And Three's a Crowd was a spinoff that aired one season in 84. And it started one week after the final episode of Three's Company. So it, it went from 84 to 85. And... Uh, I was surprised it lasted that long because the show's now... If they don't make the cut within the first couple weeks, they're just gone. Yeah, yeah. And so this one, Three's Company was loosely based on a British show. So was this one. Really? Yeah, it was loosely based on a British sitcom called Robin's Nest, which was a sitcom, or was which was a spinoff of Man About the House, which is what Three's Company was based on. 
So it's a spinoff. It's a it's a it's a spinoff of a spinoff. It's a copy of the original show that was based on spinoff. And in this one, so in the end of Three's Company, there was a love interest introduced for John Ritter's character Jack, and they moved in together. And uh, so there's a an apartment. Jack opened a restaurant. There was an apartment above the restaurant, and the girlfriend convinced Jack to move in there with her. And her wealthy father bought the building. And he does not approve of Jack, and he's constantly trying to break them up. So that was kind of the premise of it's just her father trying to split up his daughter and her live-in boyfriend. Uh, they wanted to, you know, cash in on the popularity of Three's Company. They had already spun off the Ropers. Which failed. Which failed. And this one failed. <laughs> this one, you know, like I said, it was, it was one, one uh, season. Yeah. The plan was to use this show to create a spinoff for the character of Larry. But ABC said no. They did not want to spin off of Larry. Uh, the reason that it kind of took a dive in the ratings is because it ran opposite the A-Team. Oh, yeah. You can't put a show like this against the A-Team. No. So when they were trying to develop... This is when the A-Team was at its highest. Oh, yeah. It was when the A-Team was really, really good. Uh, when they were developing this show, they did it in secret. Because they did not want Richard Klein, who played Larry, yep. Joyce DeWitt, who played Janet, Priscilla Barnes, who played Terry, or Don Knotts, who played Mr. Furley, they did not want them to know about it because they were not included in it. So they didn't want him to get pissed off that, hey, we're going to end this show, but we're going to continue it with just him. With just Larry. No, just Jack. Or Jack, yeah. Yeah, they kept Larry out of the loop because originally they wanted Larry in it and to create a spinoff for him, but they excluded him. The network did not want him involved. They just wanted John Ritter. Uh, so they found out about it because Joyce DeWitt accidentally walked in on the auditions because she was coming in to set up her dressing room because they had taken a little hiatus. Yeah. And she had come in to set up her dressing room for the filming to resume. And she was like, you know, what's going on here? Oh, we're doing auditions for what and she found out about it she got pissed off uh, and they found it very difficult to, she told um, Priscilla Barnes yeah and they found it very difficult to uh, complete that last season because they were pissed uh, Larry and and Furley were offered recurring roles on threes a crowd but they both declined the offer Larry eventually would make an appearance on the show um, and Suzanne Summers was trying to become the love interest as Chrissy Snow. She wanted to return to be the love interest Jack. on Three's a Crowd. Really? Yes, and they said no. No, because she sucks. Well, and she had kind of dicked him over on Three's Company. Yeah. So, yeah, why would they want to... Why? Why would they want to do that, you know? Um... It ran in reruns for quite a while. It went on the USA Network. It was syndicated. 
Um, the syndicated versions sometimes would use the title Three's Company 2, T-O-O. Okay. And they use the theme song for Three's Company. They put six episodes on TV land, and then uh, it started, you know, kind of going out to different different uh, networks, like in reruns and syndication. Yeah. So it was more more popular in syndication than it was its actual run. And the series is offered streaming as of July 2021 on Pluto TV. Oh, nice. So that is the first of our less popular, a.k.a. failed sitcoms of the 80s. This next one, it lasted two seasons, actually. And this is one that's not very uh, often spoken about. I'm pretty sure Tom Hanks doesn't want people knowing about it. Oh, Bosom Buddies. Bosom Buddies. Uh, This is Tom Hanks and Peter Scolari. And this was... uh, It featured the misadventures of two single men who worked in creative creative advertising, struggling in their industry while disguising themselves as women in order to live in the only apartment that they can afford. The gender stereotypes and male-female interpersonal relationships were very frequently used as themes on the show. It was known as it was known for its quirky humor and its frequent use of improv because Tom Hanks and Peter Scolari would just wing it. Um, it had great ratings to start out with, but it failed to hold the public's interest and it was canceled after two seasons. That's probably that's called bad writing. Yeah. So in the very first episode um, the apartment of Tom Hanks and Peter Scolari was demolished while they were still sleeping in it. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, and I can I remember I used to watch Wisdom Buddies as a kid. Oh my god! And this is another great. one that I did not understand why it was funny, but it was. You know, there were a lot of jokes that I missed. Yeah, because they were adult humor. Um. So they had to disguise themselves as women in order to live in the Susan B. Anthony Hotel, which is female only. Uh, Eventually, you know, like Tom Hanks' character named Kip Wilson, he was skeptical of the plan, but then he met the, uh, he met one of the residents of this hotel who was a model, dancer, and nurse, which that's three careers you wouldn't necessarily put together. That's a busy, busy career, man, because the nurses pull, like, 15-hour shifts. And then she was modeling and dancing in her off time. Yeah, so she slept, like, an hour a day. Um, So, after he met her, he starts talking to uh, Harry Desmond, who is Peter Scolari's role. And Peter Scolari, he's he's an actor that you've seen in things, but I think most, what I remember the most in was he was in the, uh, the Newhart, the Bob Newhart show. Yeah. He played um, the boyfriend of the daughter, Stephanie. Okay. I can't remember his name in that, but. You know they ended Bob Newhart and the whole thing was a dream? Yes. Yeah. I, I like I like the When Newhart he was, show. what show was he still on? Um, it's a show he was on before and the whole thing was a dream. Oh, yeah, yeah. He, yeah, I remember that. I, Newhart was a fun show. That was a good show. Larry, Daryl, and Daryl were my favorites. Hi, I'm Larry. This is my, my brother, brother Daryl. This is my, my other brother, brother Daryl. And then um, the only time they ever spoke is when they had girlfriends, and the girlfriends wouldn't shut up. Yes. I'm like, shut up. Yes. So, um, 
he Tom Hanks convinces this Harry Harry Desmond, who is a aspiring writer, that the experience would make a great book. So they have a co-worker who's attracted, or it's Henry Desmond, not Harry. Uh, they have a co-worker who is attracted to Henry, and she's the only resident that knows what they're doing. Yeah. So they constantly have to outwit the hotel manager. They're constantly having to, you know, hide and duck and dodge and, and uh, often leave the building in their female attire. And then change, like, in a phone booth or in a public restroom. Some Superman shit right there. To go to work. And then they have to change back to go home. And that's basically what the humor was based upon. Um, so, I don't know if you remember this show or not. But they... They are... In the first episode of the second season, it's revealed that what they're doing. But they are allowed to live in... The hotel, anyhow, because they've been there so they've long. been there so long. Yeah, um, they get a new hotel manager. She agrees to go along with it rather than to tell the other residents. So management is now in on it, but the residents don't know. Okay, and then they slowly backed away from them dressing as women. So that's why the show tanked because the, the origi- whole premise of the, the original show. premise of the show they took away. Yeah. Um, and then it just became a regular buddy comedy, and there were tons of them out at the time. Yeah. So. So, again, that goes with bad writing. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's a lot of these we'll find. They were maybe rushed, or they were, uh, you know, the, the emphasis wasn't put on, let's make a good show. It was, let's make a show to fill a spot. Yeah. Well, and, and that happens a lot. I mean, you could have a good show, you know, a good first season, and then, the you know, the the owner, the president of the company is like, okay, we're going to go for the second season. I want the entire season written in a week. Yes. So you're rushing to get everything done so they can start doing production and you've got bad writing, but you've got good actors and they can only do what they have. Yeah. Because Tom Hanks is a good actor. He's always been a good actor. Yeah. And, and if they would have had better writing, this would have been a better show. Well, and to show the kind of I guess attention that they gave it in the very beginning, the theme song was Billy Joel's song, My Life. Oh, shit. And they used it, they, but they re-recorded it. They, they made their own yeah. copy of it. But they, they used it, so they can't use that in reruns. And they did air reruns in the summer of 1984 because Splash and Bachelor Party had made Tom Hanks a major film star. Oh, yeah, he was not Splash, wasn't he? Yes. Ratings were good in the reruns, but Tom Hanks absolutely said he is not coming back because now he was a film actor. Um, and I I have not heard him talk a lot about Bosom Buddies. He doesn't really like to talk about Bachelor Party either. No, he hates that. Yeah. So, um, they did a shot-for-shot remake of the show's opening credits on Adult Swim as an installment of... Uh, of Parks and Recreation star uh, star Adam Scott's the greatest event in television history. Um, so yeah, they they kind of mocked it and they made a a mockumentary that showed. Uh, they kind of made a mockumentary that showed like the making of yeah. And Tom Hanks, Peter Scolari, and Billy Joel actually made cameo appearances in that. 
So that's, I guess he, you know, Tom Hanks didn't, well, he didn't fully embrace it. He did give it its due. Yeah. It started his career. I mean, without that, I mean, you got to start somewhere. Yeah. And, you know, while he might not be, it might not be, you know, his favorite, it started him out. Yeah. You know, so... Any any thoughts on that? Did you watch it? it was, I don't it think was, I, I think I maybe watched it a couple times, but probably in rerun. Yeah, because it was it was you know you're probably pretty young. So, the next one is my two dads. Um, starred uh, Paul Reiser. And I like Paul Reiser. Dude. Paul Reiser's awesome, and you know he was in Mad About You, which was an amazing show. Was that him and Hell Hunt? Yes. Yeah. Um. Uh, and then uh, Stacy Keenan was the uh, was the the daughter the daughter in this, and she was also in another show, Step by Step. Yeah, uh, and now she is a uh, deputy district attorney, law professor. Wow. Yeah. So the basic idea of this one is the mother of twelve year old Nicole Bradford has died. The two men who had competed for uh, Marcy's affection. In Key West during the summer of 1974, oh wow, Paul Reiser's character, Michael Taylor, Yep. Uh, he was a successful financial advisor, and Joey Harris, who was Greg Evigan? Evigan, yeah. Uh, he was a struggling artist. They're former friends who grew to hate one another due to their mutual interest in the same woman. They're awarded joint custody of the daughter. So each week there are mix-ups. Where they're trying to raise this daughter and they're not agreeing on how to raise her, but they have joint, you know, they like have have joint custody, so they have to agree. They have to live together, so they decide to move in together. So you're saying that the mother was a tramp, pretty much. Pretty much. I do remember the judge. I like the judge, Florence Florence Stanley. Yes, she was fr- freaking hilarious. Yeah. Um, they never actually revealed who the the father was. But they did have a DNA test to figure out which one of them was the father. And the test is conducted against the daughter's wishes. And she said she's happier not knowing who her true father is, so she destroys the results I remember that. before they open them. Later in the uh, series, they resolve their differences, and they reconcile. And the judge actually looks at the results but throws them away without ever revealing them to the audience. And uh, how long did this run? Did I say how long it ran? Three seasons. Three seasons. 87 to 1990. I can remember watching this. Um, I This is another one that I really didn't understand what was going on. No. Because the subject of paternity, I mean, it could easily be explained. They don't know who the dad is. But then you've got to explain the mom was a tramp. Yeah. And they um, kind of left that part out. Yeah. It's almost yeah. like a Disney movie. Right. The mom's dead. Yeah, the mom died. Don't yep. worry about it. But we don't know who the dad is. Yeah. It's one of these two guys. We don't know. Chad Allen was in this. He's in a bunch of stuff. I've seen him in st- something. Um, Dick Buckus was also in this. He was. I've seen that. Yeah, Dick Buckus. He managed a cafe on the building's first floor. Which is not too far-fetched from Dick Buckus. No. There actually was a crossover with Night Court. Um, so... The judge, Margaret W. Wilbur, played by Florence Stanley, appeared on Night Court. And in turn, Richard Mull, Bull, 
he played Bull Shannon on My Two Dads. Oh, nice. And just like, they did like a one episode. Yeah. Um, he was the bailiff for that show. Yeah, that and, and Bull actually protected Judge Wilbur from a recent early, recently released criminal that she had uh, sent to prison two years before, or years before. Um, this thing has been put out on home video, uh, the first two seasons at least, and uh, you can get it on the Shout Factory online store. And there's a 10-episode best-of series entitled My Two Dads, You Can Count On Me. And it's featured episodes from the first two seasons. This thing was nominated for four awards. Real nice. It was the Young Artist Awards. It was nominated for Most Promising New Fall Television Series and Best Young Actress Featured Co-Starring Supporting Reoccurring Role in a Comedy Series or Drama for Stacey Keenan. The People's Choice Awards Favorite New TV Comedy Program and the Young Artist Awards again the following year in 1989 for the Best Young Actor Guest Starring in a Drama or Comedy Series for Chad Allen won all four of them. Nice. Yes. So they're Batting a thousand, I think that's what they say. Yeah, yeah, batting a thousand. Uh, did you watch this one? I did watch this one. What did you think of it? I liked. It. I thought it was a good show. I mean, when it goes again, you know, we didn't realize everything that was going on because we were little kids. Yeah, but it was a good show. I did enjoy it. So maybe you'll remember this one. Just the ten of us. I remember just the ten of us. Okay, so just the ten of us. I just gotta find it again. I got a lot of stuff open here. Just the Ten of Us was a spinoff of Growing Pains. Uh, Bill Kirkenbacher was Coach Graham Lubbock. That was a reoccurring character on Growing Pains. And <coughs> so they spun off that, uh, that character into his own show where he had ten children. Or eight children. Maybe he had eight children. And it was two, two parents. There was ten of ten of something. Robin Thicke was in this too, so <laughs> he was one of the kids. Yeah, uh, so the four eldest daughters became kind of the focus of the show eventually, and interestingly enough, three of those daughters in the show are Nightmare on Elm Street uh, actresses, which is why the show was ended up canceling because the three actresses were dead. Yeah, yes, the Freddy Krueger killed them. So we can't have a sitcom with a serial killer killing our kids in their sh- in their in their sleep. Yes. So Heather Langenkamp was was one of the daughters. Brooke Thies was one of the daughters, and uh, I told you the other one. What was the other one's name? Um, so like, was it Joanne? Brooke Thies, Heather Langenkamp. I'm sure there was three. Tuesday night, maybe. Let me look. Let me look, because I can tell you. It's this one. Yeah. Um, maybe it's Joanne Willett. I don't I don't remember. There's three of them, at least, I think. I, I wanted to say it was Tuesday night, but I don't... Maybe it wasn't. She's not in this. Um, the, uh, the show actually progressed... Jesus, how old was this lady when they should... That's her. That's her IMDb picture. Jesus, she. <laughs> she was born in 1904. Dude, she lived till 2000. She hung in there. She was 96. Wow. So in the pilot episode of this, uh, the pilot episode actually aired on Growing Pains. 
The coach's job is in jeopardy due to district cutbacks. And Mike Seaver leads a protest when he finds out that the coach is trying to support a large family, which includes another baby on the way. And they fire Coach Graham. And he gets a job at St. Augustine's Academy. It's an all-boys private Catholic school. So they move to California. California, love. By special arrangement, the older children, which are four teenage girls, were allowed to attend St. Augustine's. That was Joanne Willett. Joanne Willett yep, is the, is the, the original. The Nightmare on Elm Street? Yep. So it's Brooke Thies. Oh, Heather. she's from Freddy Nightmare on Elm Street 2. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. Who's she playing? I'm going to find out right now. Um, so it's Heather Langkamp, Brooke Thies, and Joanne Willett. She was a girl on the bus. Yes. Um, so then there are the younger children, two girls and two boys. So there are eight children. It's uh, the, the four teenagers, an 11-year-old, an 8-year-old, a toddler, and the infant Melissa. Um, first season consi- uh, consisted of four episodes for a trial run. ABC was pleased with the success, so they ordered a second season. And in the second season, um, two of the two of the daughters switched personalities. Oh, that happens with age. Yeah, one becomes more ditzy, and while the one that was ditzy becomes more of a schemer. And the show focused more and more on the four older girls and revolved around the family's efforts to save money, them dating, and other typical family sitcom issues. You in, imagine having ten kids now, or eight kids in these days? No. Oh my god. I can't imagine having one. So, uh, in later episodes, the four teenage girls formed a singing group called the Lubbock Babes. Oh my god. They wanted to help bring in extra income. The girls had boyfriends and love interests that uh, the, the coach Graham took great pride in testing, and in most cases, fending off. But they, they, there was one, the oldest daughter, which was played by uh, Heather Langkamp, did have a boyfriend named Gavin Doozler. Um, Frank Bonner was in this. Really? Yeah. Frank Bonner was known for uh, his role as Herb Tarlick on WKRP in Cincinnati. Yep. He played Father Robert ha- uh, Haggis. I remember the, that. The staff of the, uh, he was the uh, the headmaster at St. Augustine's. Um, <laughs> Coach Dwayne Johnson. Played by uh, Dennis Haysbert. And Dennis Haysbert was... Uh, Serrano. Yeah, he was Serrano in Major League. And now he's the All-State guy. Yes, he is. All-State. He played Dwayne Johnson, huh? Yeah, he played Coach Dwayne Johnson. That's pretty funny. So, it this thing did pretty well. Was he a baseball coach? Um, I don't know. <laughs> it did pretty well, but after, you know, the four seasons, it... Got canceled, and then USA picked it up for reruns, and then it was shortly can uh, shortly after it was canceled, and it aired daily until 1996. Wow, well, this is and this was the early part of the TGIF Friday Night Block. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. So, so it was on prime time. It was on prime time, very featured, and I remember watching it. I I liked this show, but I think it was because. Um, Let's see, what year did it start? Uh, this started in 88. I would have been about 12. I was 9. Yeah, so I would have been about 11 or 12. So I think I probably had a crush on the older daughters. Yeah. And that's probably why I was really into it. Um, 
But yeah, yeah, part part of that that pretty historic TGIF uh, TGI Friday block, and I don't know. It was it was. I thought it was funny. You know, it was it was it was a uh, that uh, that Bill Kirk uh, Kirkenbacher. He's a stand-up comedian. He is he's pretty funny actually. Um, so yeah, D- did you watch it at all? I think I I probably watched it, but I don't remember much of it. Yeah, again, you're probably a little too young. Yeah, you know. Um, yeah, so it, it lasted. It had popularity, but then it, it like many of these shows, they just kind of ran out of things to talk about. He's from Austria, huh? Uh, yeah, Kirkenbacher, I guess. So it says. Hmm. Well, it's on the internet. It's gotta be true. It's gotta be. Um, so, do you remember Too Close for Comfort? I do not remember Too Close for Comfort. So, Too Close for Comfort, it was based off a British sitcom called Keep It in the Family. It was, uh, Ted Knight was the star, and Ted Knight was uh, was known for... This, this came out in 80, I was way too young for this one. Yeah. Uh, Ted Knight was, was known for role his role in the Mary Tyler Moore show. He was also the judge, the judge in Caddyshack. Caddyshack. Yes. So judge Smales. What it was, Ted Knight played a work-at-home cartoonist named Henry Rush. He had two adult daughters who lived downstairs in the apartment of his home. He had like a townhouse. Yeah. And so it just... He's he's like a conservative cartoonist. He runs a comic strip called Cosmic Cow, and it's it, actually probably pretty good. In order to, um, in order to kind of uh, inspire him, he had a hand puppet of Cosmic Cow yeah. that he would talk to and work out storylines. And sometimes he would put the, his pencil in Cosmic Cow's mouth and draw. Oh, okay. And I I remember that very vividly. Um. And then his his daughters live downstairs it it was kind of a typical family living together and the dad trying to be overbearing on the adult daughters and, and be too pushy into their business it's almost like looking at the, that 70s show kind of almost um one of the standouts on this was jim j bullock who turned out to be kind of a nutcase. Yeah. Uh, but he played, oh, uh, I think he was kind of a goofy neighbor type character. Okay. Um, his name was Monroe. And he would just like pop in and out of the house all the time and just be the the goofy, you know, the weird, goofy re- comic relief. Yeah. Um, so, so he's kind of a nutcase? Yeah, J- Jim J. Bullock. Yeah. Yeah, he's kind of a wacky guy. He's in Spaceballs. Oh. Uh, he was Prince Valium. Prince Valium, yes. Um, I forgot that he was in Spaceballs. Uh, so, how long did I say this ran? 84 to 87. Wow. Oh, no. The 80. 80 to 83. And then it had a first run of syndication that went 84 to 87. Um, so... They they canceled they canceled it and then they started doing reruns and syndication and it was actually more popular in syndication than it was the Which original run. A lot. So they ordered thirty additional episodes 
So it actually aired through 1985. Oh, wow. And That's six seasons, yeah. Yeah. And then they did a spinoff called The Ted Knight Show. And, yeah, I mean, it wasn't really a spinoff. It was more of a, they just changed the name. Oh, okay. And that didn't really work out so well because Ted Knight died during the production of it. Oh, shit, yeah, he died in 86. Yeah, so it lasted a season. And so they just played it out, and then they added those TV, you know, that that run, to the syndication of Too Close for Comfort. Was he part, was he the voice of Pigs in Space? I hope so. Let's see here. I truly hope so. He did, he did a lot of voiceover stuff. I could see him being a Link Heartthrob. Let's see. He was in the Ghostbusters cartoon. Oh. The Ghostbusters. Not the real Ghostbusters. Oh, the one I don't like? Yeah. Yeah. Great. Um, no. That's awesome. I don't know why he had a, a Muppet with him. So, well, there's a lot of people who took pictures of the Muppets. I've got pictures of Muppets. You do? Yeah. You're sitting next to one. Yeah. When? What? I'm a Muppet. Well, you're a Muppet. <laughs> Um, he was in MASH. Rhino Entertainment Company uh, released the first two seasons on DVD. Um, they could not obtain the original uncut episodes of season one, so they did the syndicated versions. And uh, they they uh, they don't plan to do any future releases of it. it I guess it just didn't resonate. Yeah. I remember watching it, and I think the reason that I liked it is because of the puppet. I mean, you could still find these shows. They're, yeah, they're probably on YouTube. So I know there's a channel on Facebook that plays old t- sitcoms, but they play them like, at a faster speed. Oh. So the voices are off a little bit, and like they're more higher pitched. I mean, I was watching Family Matters. Yeah. And Urkel sounds oh so funny at high pitch. I mean, he's high pitched already. But at a higher pitch, and then with Carl at a high pitch, it's great. Only dogs can hear him. Yeah. So. Hey, big guy. <laughs> so this one is truly one that was just a shitty show. Um, this was the result of Suzanne Summers being fired from Three's Company. This was her first return to television. Eighty-seven to eighty-nine. She's the sheriff. I don't remember this shit at all. It just looks it just sounds terrible. In 2002, it was ranked number 44 on TV Guide's 50 worst TV shows of all time. Wow. So what it is? Susanna Summers stars as Hildy Granger, a young woman whose husband, the sheriff of the fictional uh, Lakes County, Nevada, has died suddenly. Now a widow with two children support Hildy accepts the county commissioner's office to appoint her to serve as the sheriff, despite her lack of experience. The show focuses on her efforts to handle the daily problem of locals and tourists while learning to work with her four deputies. Don Knotts is in this, too. In particular, Hildy has regular battles with Deputy Max Rubin, who thinks Hildy is undeserving of the job. Who's George Weiner? George Weiner. He's funny. I like this guy. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's been on all kinds of stuff. He's been in just about everything. Yeah. So, um... He was the lawyer in Fletch. Okay, yeah. Uh, Patricia and Carol 
was um, played Hildy's mother, and she is known as voicing Ursula in The Little Mermaid. She was also on The Danny Thomas Show and Laverne and Shirley and ER. He was also Colonel Sanders in Spaceballs. Who, uh, George Weiner? Yeah. Yes. Um, What's the matter, Colonel Sanders? Chicken? <laughs> so, Leonard Lightfoot was also in this. We know him from uh, Silver Spoons. Yep. Um, this one, it just really failed to be a good show. <laughs> I just, no, I mean, I don't have anything to say about this one just because I don't like Suzanne Summers to begin with. Yeah. And it just, the, just the synopsis of the show just sounds terrible. It wasn't a good show. Uh, they actually put it into syndication and the way that they would run it is they would run it for like they would they would they would run it like later on in the the lineup they wouldn't put it against the big shows yeah um just because it they needed something to fill time basically she's a sheriff not a great show uh Suzanne Summers hated it why'd she do it probably just to get herself back to get herself out back out there because she thought that uh she thought that Three's Company ruined her career, being fired from there. Well, she shouldn't have been a bitch. I guess. She should have, should have stuck with the Thighmaster commercials. I know. I mean, that made, yeah, that made her a ton of money, though. It did. Uh, we got we got three more to go here. Two of them are kind of uh, similar-ish. I did like Step by Step, though. Step by Step was good. Yeah. Yes, with Patrick Duffy. I do like, yeah. He's yeah. good. He's yeah. good. Patrick Duffy from Dallas. Uh, I think he was from Dallas. He was from Dallas. They killed him like twice and then it turned out to be a dream. Or they killed him once. I think they killed him once, yeah. yeah. He um, was JR. He wasn't JR, that was Larry Hagman. I thought JR was doubt was JR died. He got shot. Yep, yeah, that was a dream. Well Patrick Duffy died and that was a dream. Oh. I think he, I, I, I opened the shower and he was there. Yes, that was yeah, yeah that's Patrick Duffy. Um so this next one... And I don't think I've ever watched Dallas. I just know this from watching other shit. Because Dallas was that popular. It's back again now, too. There's yeah. another show. Um, so this one, Out of This World. It was a fantasy sitcom about a teenage girl who was half alien, which gives her unique superhuman powers. This aired from 87 to 91. I don't remember this one at all, dude. You don't remember this one? No. I love this show. A lot. I... Uh, so basically, uh, the show revolves around the main character named Evie Ethel Garland, a young girl who discovers on her 13th birthday that her father, Troy, is an alien from the planet uh, Antares Prime in the Scorpio Galaxy. So Evie's half alien heritage gives her superhuman abilities. What's funny is because she ended up being on Deep Space Nine. Did she? Yeah. Well, most of the episodes revolve around Evie misusing her power, causing some kind of trouble that they have to spend the rest of the episode fixing. Only Evie and her family know about the alien side. Many efforts depict their efforts, or many episodes depict their efforts to hide her secret from other characters. Um, the series ended on a cliffhanger. Troy came to visit. And uh, Troy ended up getting stranded on Earth. Who is Troy? The dad. Oh. So this show, the main superpower that she had was the ability to stop time. And she would... Oh, Tom Bosley. Tom Bo Yes, Tom Bosley. Oh, man, he aged so badly. And Burt Reynolds was the voice of Troy Garland. I like Tom Bosley. Yes. Tom Bosley was uh, 
the father in uh, Happy Days. Happy Days. Yeah. Um, so th- she. He was also David the Gnome. Yes, he was. I liked. I liked David. I the did Gnome. not like David the Gnome. We discussed that. The world that. of David the Gnome. That was a great show. No. You also like Filmation's Ghostbusters. So. I do. Uh, Evie's main her the main power that they would show on the uh, you know that they would depict on the show is she could stop time by touching her index fingers together. And she would do that, and then she would maneuver other people, like put them in different situations. Yeah. And then when she had everything the way that she wanted, she would clap her hands, and time would start again, and people would be like, what the hell, you know? And she could also unfreeze certain people by touching them while time was frozen. Later, she discovers her power to gleep. Which gleeping is gleeping, gleep. She gleeps. Yeah. She, she's a gleeper. Um, yeah, I'm leaving that alone. She's 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 a gleeper. She's a gleeper. One who gleeps. Um, gleeping is the ability to manifest objects using only her mind. Uh, and her father describes her as the perfect child. Loving, caring, and with the same needs of most teenagers. So this takes place from her 13th birthday to her 18th birthday. And uh, with the second season, you know, the show really focused on her kind of growing up. Yeah. Um, so I, I mean, I, I love this thing. She could communicate with her father through the cube, which was... Oh, okay. Kind of a throwback I think to I remember something like this. when Mork would talk to Orson. Yeah. Um, she, so she could talk to her father through the cube, and he would give her advice. So that was like her hotline to uh, Antares, the, the planet. And they also had an answer phone message where they could leave each other messages. I vaguely um, remember this. So they it, basically, it was she had all these crazy powers and she had this cube that she could talk to an her alien dad and they were trying to hide it from everyone outside yeah. the family I mean I this this I thought it was a fun show I think it's out there streaming somewhere I'm sure it is um, this thing was uh, aired in France Germany Italy and the UK um, now one, uh, Roger Fulton, he's some reviewer of shows, I guess. Uh, he said that, uh, like many juvenile U.S. sitcoms, the series was short on laughs and long on moralizing. So there was always a, a moral to the story. Yeah. And I thought it was funny, but I was also a young kid. Kind of like trying to be responsible. Yeah, don't... Blah, don't, blah, blah. Don't, don't fuck with... Don't, don't stop time and don't try to alter time. and um, The book... Television Without Pity contained a review of Out of This World that described the show as quite possibly the worst sitcom ever made. It's a complete failure on every level. The review went on to criticize the show's scripts, acting, and production. It and unfavorably, It unfavorably compared Out of This World to uh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Yeah. And, yeah, uh, Split Cider website called it the worst, perhaps the worst sitcom ever, or at least the most 80s sitcom ever. This was released on DVD with 35 episodes from season one and two released in Germany. And 
Uh, it does not con- can include all the episodes because there was an issue with music rights. Oh, no shit. It was parodied in Robot Chicken. Oh, I think I remember this. She's, uh, Evie is asked out by a boy that likes her. She uses her power to stop time and takes a look down his pants to check out the size <laughs> yeah. of his penis. After seeing the size, she says, uh, pass. And then she walks off and leaves time still frozen. That's dirty. Yeah, well, that's Robot Chicken. So, you don't remember this one at all. I, well, as you're talking about it, I remember bits and pieces. Like, I remember the talk, them talking to the cube. Yeah, Because I was okay. looking at pictures and stuff, too. I was like, this pulling up a little bit. So, I, I mean, I enjoyed it. Um, but, yeah, they it, it really centered around the family has a secret, and they want to keep it a secret. Yeah. Uh, much like this next one we're going to speak about. Small Wonder. Small Wonder is a children's comedy science fiction sitcom. Uh, it ran 1985 to 1989. This is about a family, the family of a robotics engineer who secretly creates a robot modeled after a human girl and tries to pass it off as their adopted daughter, Vicky. The series turned out to be a surprise hit amongst kids. Yeah. Um, and a lot, a lot of places re-ran it you know, in like, in syndication. So, Vicky, V-I-C-I, stands for Voice Input Child Indicate. It's an android in the form of a 10-year-old girl built by Ted Lawson, an engineer inventor for United Robotronics, uh, and in an effort to assist handicapped children. He takes the robot home so that it can, it can learn its artificial intelligence. It can learn and mature within a family environment. This is how Skynet starts. Vicky... Features uh, superhuman strength and speed, an AC outlet underneath of her right arm, a data port underneath of her left arm, and an access panel in her back. Despite this, the Lawson family tries to pass Vicky off as an orphan family member whom they legally adopt as their daughter. Uh, they try, the family tries to keep the robot's existence a secret, but their neighbors, the Brindles, keep popping up at the most unexpected moments. The nosy neighbors. Especially nosy next-door neighbor Harriet, whose father happens to be Ted Lawson's co-worker. And I remember Harriet was annoying as hell. Yeah, I think I remember watching this a little bit, but not much. So the basic, the humor that they try to use is Vicky's attempts to learn human behavior and uh, just kind of her vocalization about you know, like, uh, she, she misinterprets speech a lot. She's trying to learn. She, she, she interprets everything very literally. Yeah. And, you know, like, you know, if somebody said, give me a break, she would break something. Um, oh yeah. Harry was, was the pigtailed girl. Yeah. The little redheaded pigtailed girl that she was annoying as hell. Um, so to explain the actress aging during the show, they gave her an upgrade and it aged her face and they dressed her in more modern clothing and that allowed her the the upgrade also allowed her to eat and drink um food passed through her natural the the food would pass through her naturally and the drink cooled her internal systems brian austin green was in this yes he was um i I love this show. Edie McClurg was in this. Edie McClurg was uh, 
She's great in everything. Yeah, she was the, the neighbor. Um, she was written out in the second season because she joined the cast of Hogan's family. Um, other than that, I don't really see a lot of famous names. Uh, this show was... was re- it did the rerun circuit. Because uh, yeah, a lot of these guys didn't do much after... No, there you don't see a lot of really, really you know big names in this. Uh, this thing it it aired in Europe, very popular in the Middle East, uh, India, Pakistan, China, and other uh, Asian countries. It ran syndicated, uh, like clear into the the nineties and even into the two thousands. Oh wow! And uh, uh, Robot Chicken, I believe, her, Robot Chicken or Family Guy has done spoofs on oh this. yeah they have yeah um it was very popular among viewers but critics say it's one of the worst sitcoms of all times um it's because that's ebert all usa today robert bianco he said that it was a contender for one of the worst tv shows of all times and the bbc said it's widely considered the worst low budget sitcom of all time uh, it was given awards though young artist awards Best Young Supporting Actress in a New Television Series, and Exceptional Performance of a Young Actress in a Long-Running Series, Comedy, or Drama, Emily Shulman, who... Emily Shulman... Who was she? Harriet. Oh, okay. And, yeah, the the, the neighbor has a crush on the, the son. So she's always yeah. flirting with the son and trying to buddy up to the sister... And the sister's a robot, so the sister has no clue what she's... She's like, get away from me, yeah, person. Yeah, she has no clue what she's trying to accomplish by manipulating her. Uh, you can watch... You can watch almost every episode on YouTube. Yeah. And a lot of comparisons to different movies and TV shows. Um, My Living Doll, which was uh, in the 60s, Not Quite Human, was on the Disney Channel. Dead Alive. No. Deadly Friend. Yeah. Deadly Friend. That movie scared the shit out of me when I was a kid. AI Artificial Intelligence with uh, Haley Joel Osmond. Osmond? Osmond, yeah. From, uh, I I burped a little bit there and I kind of flubbed his name. Uh, He was from uh, uh, Sixth Sense. Yeah. And Daryl. Do you remember Daryl, the the movie Daryl? No. Oh, it was, basically, it it was in 1985. It was about the government creating a child android. Daryl, data analyzing robot youth life form. I remember Daryl being a huge, huge movie back in the eighties. Data analyzing youth life form. Data analyzing robot youth life form. Daryl. Yeah, it was it was a movie. So small wonder I can remember. I must watch it in syndication because I remember it. Oh, I've seen this. Yeah, I remember it and uh, and out of this world playing. On like Sunday afternoons, when there was nothing to do on a Sunday afternoon, yeah. I would sit and watch. I had Barrett Oliver in it. He's from the Neverending Story. Oh, he cool. A, he turned out to be a weird dude. So, out of this world, small wonder they aired on Sunday afternoons. Oh, yeah. As well as this last one we're going to talk about. And this is probably the most popular of these ones that we're going to speak about. Um, and that's Mama's Family. I know you watch Mama's Family. I watch the shit out of Mama's Family. So Mama's Family, starring Vicki Lawrence as Mama, Thelma Harper. Uh, it was actually a spinoff of a skit on the Carol Burnett show. And 
This uh, ran from, uh, well, and ran from '83. It ran from '83, and it had two seasons, and it got canceled. And then in '95, the reruns did so well they brought it back. And I, at one point, it was just called Mama. I, I thought it might have been, but Mama's Family. It was. Uh, it was Delmar. They, they they lived in Raytown, Missouri, which is a suburb of Kansas City. And why the hell did they talk so southern then? <laughs> I don't know. I they they. <laughs> it, well, it says it says Raytown, Missouri is where they where they said it was the set. Yeah. But the script suggested it was Raytown, Mississippi, which would explain it the, makes the, more the, sense. the southern the southern family. Yeah. Uh, it revolves around the wacky misadventures of the Harper family. Uh, the extended Don Harper family members and their neighbor in later seasons. So it was uh, it was Mama and oh, what was his son's name? Vern? Vince? Vincent? Um, hold on. I think it was Vince. Well, here I got it. Vinton. Vinton, yeah. Yep. And his wife, Naomi. Um, Vinton Buzz Harper Jr., which, and the Iola was Mama's best friend. Iola was was the neighbor best friend, uh, and then Bubba was the grandson. The grandson, which they don't talk about. It's there. There are all kinds of people that were in and out. So there was there was uh, Ellen Harper Jackson, which was Betty White. She was a reoccurring character. She was the oldest of Thelma's children. Then Eunice was Carol Burnett. She was the second. And then there was Vinton. He was the youngest. So he lived with Mama. Naomi lived with, you know, his wife Naomi lived with Mama. Uh, then Buzz Harper was Vince's son. There was a teenage daughter named Sonia. I mean, there was all, they, they popped in and out all the time. And a lot of Carol Burnett's alum played in this. Skeletor was in this. But Bubba Higgins was Alan Kaiser. Ellen Oppenheimer was the mayor. Oh, wow. That's cool. Uh, Alan Kaiser, uh, you'll recognize from uh, Night of the Creeps. Oh, yeah. So he is Ed Eunice's son who is released from Juvenile Hall because his parents moved to Florida, so he had nowhere to live, so Grandma took him in. And he was just kind of a dim-witted, you know, kid. Southern boy, yeah. Yeah. Rue McClanahan was in this. Uh, that was Thelma's sister. Um, and then, like you said, uh, Iola. She was a regular character. She was the neighbor that would come over and, you know, like, just cause chaos in the family. Yeah. And that's mainly what the show was about. It was just... Just family doing stupid stuff and mama calling them a bunch of idiots. Yeah. It almost was... Part of it was was like a precursor to like Married with Children. I feel. Yeah. The the interaction between it's like if Married with Children had a had a grandmother living with them that was like constantly calling them out for doing stupid shit. Mm-hmm. It is basically the uh, the premise of it. Now, this is like if, this is like if Medea, if Medea lived with the Bundys. Yeah. Yes, exactly. That's a that's a great correlation. I remember enjoying the show. I thought it was funny. 
but this I is can the, see Tyler Perry getting some of his Medea character from from Mama. Mama, absolutely, absolutely. Um, it it actually won. Uh, it was nominated many times, well, three times, for uh, outstanding costumes. And it won it in 1984. Vicki Lawrence was in a recent show. I watched it. What the hell was it called? Um, let me find it here. It's like a bunch of bunch of retire, retirees living in a retirement home. Oh. And she was one of them. Like, their best friend, the two guys' best friend died. And it had, um, what's his name from, from, uh, in Living Color. Um, Damon Wayans. No, it wasn't one of the Waynes. It was, um... Oh, it's her. The cool was kids. It, it wasn't Jim Carrey? No. It Good. was Good. David Allen Greer. Oh, I like him. And Leslie Jordan. Okay, yeah. Those are the... These are the three main actors. Okay. And, see, David Allen Greer's character and Leslie Jordan's character, their best friend died. Okay. And so she moved in and kind of just pushed her way to becoming their friend. They hated her at first and like she's pretty fucking I've awesome. seen this, yes. It's hilarious. It only yeah. lasted lasted one season. But I mean it had a great cast of Jamie Farr from MASH. From MASH, yeah. He's in it. Oh, okay. Um I have seen this, yeah. It, 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 it was it was so it was funny as hell. Yeah. I wish it would have lasted longer. I don't know why it got cancelled. So this series uh it lasted till nineteen ninety and then it was placed in syndication, like, you know a lot of places play it week you know, weekdays every weekday. Um, TBS actually played it until two thousand six. Really? Yeah, and it it got TBS's coveted six oh five spot. Then they moved it to four oh five. But yeah, that six oh five spot was was a big big deal. You know, that was like their their big spot. Um, after the show, Vicky Lawrence. Reprised her role of Mama when she did a touring stage show entitled Vicki Lawrence and Mama, a two-woman show, where she would perform stand-up comedy as herself. Then she comes out as Mama and gives her opinions on modern-day topics. During the break in the two acts, the audience was shown bloopers from the syndicated seasons of the series. Lawrence also sings the lyrics she wrote for Bless My Happy Home, the show's theme song, which was omitted from the version used on air. Oh, no shit. Vicki Lawrence also appeared as Mama in, on several Halloween-themed episodes of Hollywood Squares. Yep, I remember that. She appeared on RuPaul's Drag Race as Mama. Really? Yep. She was on the Queen Latifah show as Mama the Monday after Mother's Day in 2014, where the, she would do a little skit before each commercial break. Yep. Uh, she did promos for Mama's Family, the reruns, from uh, 2015 and 2016 when it aired on MeTV. Oh, nice. And then she was on The Doctors as Mama when she talked about health-related issues. So The Doctors is a fairly... That was 2015 and 2016. She would come on as Thelma Harper. Oh, that's great. On The Doctors. So that character still lives on, and I think that character is is very iconic. Yeah. Um, I, I think Vicki Lawrence is fucking hilarious. Oh, yeah, she's, she's great. And, and I, like, I tried to look up to see why the Cool Kids was canceled, but, I mean, it ended in 2019, but the only thing I could think of, because there wasn't anything that said why it was canceled, would have been COVID. Yeah, that's possible. Yeah, a lot of things got, got shut down. But So what are your thoughts on Mama's Family? I love Mama's Family. I mean, it was, it was funnier shit. 
I kind of had a little crush on uh, Naomi, the wife. Oh yeah, I think everybody you know, did. She she uh, dressed in tube tops a lot. It yeah. was like with like the southern tube tops. Where it was a tube top with sleeves. Sleeves, yeah, and they pushed out over shoulders. Sl- yeah, pushed shoulders over. always showing. Yeah, and I, I kind of had a crush on her for some reason, because um, she was kind of a, a flirty, trampy. Yeah, and Mama, pulled, Mama hated her because the way she dressed. Yeah, she pulled no punches and letting her know she thought she was trampy. A floozy, yeah, yeah, floozy. I, I like Mama's family. And I mean, Bubba. I was he funny. was so stupid too, yeah. And I, through Crypticon, he was a regular guest at Crypticon for many, many years because he lives down in Kansas City. Okay. And so he would always have a table there, and I got to know him. I, I was I wouldn't consider myself a friend. I have friends that are good friends with him. Yeah. And they are people that that we would run with. When and we he's done down. a lot of horror stuff. Yeah. Well, in, in Night of the Creeps, he you know, he was in Night of the Creeps. He's, yeah. He's done some lower budget horror movies. Like uh, House of the Witch Doctor, yep. Which the guy that runs Crypticon, he produced those movies. Okay. Uh, so he's in a lot of his movies locally. Um, but great guy, super nice guy. Yeah, fuck, that's what I do because you ain't got to pay him for travel or anything like that. Yeah, and a lot of times it's just like, hey, I'll can I show up and set up a table and just sell autographs and party? Yeah. And that's what he did. He, I mean, if there was an after hours party, that dude would be there. there, and he would be at people that we knew. He'd be at their parties. Oh yeah, you know. Uh, he'd be in their room parties and hanging out. So, um, yeah, super nice guy. We should try to go to Crypticon next year. Oh yeah, I, I want to. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's. Uh, I think Mama's family is a really good one to end on because while it was probably the most popular of all these that we talked about in the last half, it still didn't achieve the fame or popularity it should have. No, no, it I should, think it's very it under. So maybe this isn't like necessarily all failed sitcoms. Some of them were failed. Some of them were very well done. Well very done good, and yeah. and very underrated. But they did. But they. But it's like like some of them they they just didn't meet or they didn't adapt when the years changed. Yeah, yeah. Time kind of passed them by, and yeah. they just kind of yeah. But I think some of them just didn't gain the notoriety. Maybe there was something that overshadowed them, mm-hmm. and they didn't. They they just became a very underrated part of sitcom history that kind of nobody thinks about anymore yeah but we do and then we bring it to you and maybe some of these shows give them a try you might like them some of them might might be a little outdated some of them might not age well i think mama's family will age aged well it because there was nothing super controversial that i ever (coughs) remember on there so yeah some of these other shows it's just they, Some of the other ones are not going to age well, but... Like, I'd say Three's Company doesn't age well. No, a lot of them don't, because of the time that they're set in, the time that they came out, and... Within the last 50 years, a lot of shit is... A lot of advances have been yeah. made in, in just the way that we treat people. Yeah. For the better. And these shows don't reflect that, because they obviously were not a part... You know, they, they, mm-hmm. they, they don't reflect the, the advancements we've made. But if you watch them for the time that they were out... Some of them you'll understand why they were popular. Some of you, some of you'll understand why we say they're underrated, and some of you'll understand why we say they suck. Yeah, I know. Like one show we didn't talk about that would probably definitely not work today would be All in the Family. Oh yeah, All in the I Family. I love that show. It's so funny. Yes, and it it kind of almost the reason that I think that wasn't that like a spinoff of the Honeymooners. I, I think it, it wasn't a spinoff, but it was like a loosely a, a based. loosely based on, um, and all in the family had a spinoff of the Jeffersons. Yeah, uh, which those shows, 
I've watched both of them recently. I've been watching All in the Family. They and play those. They play All in the Family, like on you on YouTube and yeah. Or if I just pull it up or somebody's posted a video on it and I'll just watch it, it's fucking hilarious. It's funny, and I think that it falls under, like Mel Brooks movies. Yeah, they they are not politically correct, but they offend everyone equally. And the people that they are offending, the characters they are offending in the show, they throw their barbs right back. You know that um, there's that new movie, Pause of Fury? No. There's a new movie. It's it's a kid's movie, but it's they're like cats. Okay. And they say it's loosely based off of Blazing Saddles. A kid's movie based off of Blazing Saddles? Yes, because there's a scene in Blazing Saddles where the sheriff is coming. Yes. And they ring the bell every time he says, the shirt, he's up. Yeah. They do the same thing in this movie, but they say, they're say they saying dog. Oh. Like, he's he's a dog, and the bell rings. Oh, yeah, okay, okay, yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, my God, how'd they get away with that? But my wife was telling me about that. I'm like, no, it's not. This is like a kung fu movie. Blazing Saddles is a Western. Well. And so I had to look it up. There's, there's not a lot of difference between kung fu movies and westerns. A lot of the old westerns were based off of Japanese samurai movies. Really? Yes. Nice. Uh, the Magnificent Seven. Yeah. One of, you know, like the big... The original? Cu- uh, yeah, the original. Magnificent Seven was based off of the Seven Samurai. Oh, no shit. Yes. Nice. So, and if you watch them, it's the same storyline. You just... Samurai were the cowboys of Japan. Yeah, that's true. So to speak. Um... So yeah, it's I could see where they could where they could make that crossover. Yeah. But funny thing, okay, you mentioned that. I'll end with a little story that Weird Al told. Okay. Okay. So during his his uh during his set, he played the song One More Minute with You. Okay, yeah, I know that's Okay, song. this song is about he's in a relationship, the girl says she's gonna leave him, and he wants her to leave him. So it's kind of a love song in reverse. And he is singing about all the things he would rather do than spend one more minute with her. Yep. And it's like he would rather uh, pluck his eyeballs out with, with rusty scissors. He'd rather tear out his intestines with a fork uh, than spend one more minute with you. So they were uh, asked to do a uh, uh, Dick Clark special. And it was like the summer special on the beach and all okay. that. So he said everything was lip synced, and that was fine. Because that's how and they do it. There. That's how they did it back then. And so they all wore three. The, the band all wore three piece suits, and they went out and stood in the ocean about waist deep. And he said the waves were crashing. They kept knocking them over and everything. But they they got their their song filmed and they lip synced it. And then he said before it aired, they called him. The network called him. And they said we're going to have to censor that song. And he goes, oh interesting. He goes, I didn't think I put anything really bad in there. And they said, yeah, we found a line that we don't like in there, so we're going to have to edit it. We're gonna, and he goes, well, what do I have to do? Do you need me to do a voiceover so that you can put a different lyric in there? And they go, no, we'll handle it. Don't worry. And he's like, oh, okay. It's going to be interesting to see what they do. So he's watching it, and he said the line in question that they told him was, I would rather clean every toilet in Grand Central Station with my tongue <laughs> than spend one more minute with you. And they found that offensive? They found that too offensive for, for 80s television. So he said, well, when it was going to air, I was very interested to see what they did, so I tuned in. 
And he goes, and I, and I see us performing. And he said, that line is towards the end of the song. And he says, so they they uh, they come on and they're, they're singing. And he goes, they go, I'd rather clean every toilet in Grand Central Station with my boop. Then and he goes, that just made it ten times worse because you, you can make up your own word there. Yeah. So he goes, what do they think I was cleaning with? <laughs> That is a case of censorship making things worse. Worse. Oh my god! And that's what the the bell thing reminded me of. That. So, anything you want to wrap up here with the, no, this all these, pre- these shows we talked about? This is a pretty good show. I mean, I, yeah. I had a good, I had fun with this one. All of our shows are pretty good shows. Yeah. Yeah. That that, that should be our tagline. All of retro, our shows are pretty good. Yeah. Retro Renegades Pop Culture Power Hour. We're pretty good. I'm gonna make that. Yeah. I'm making it. We'll we'll, we'll make a new bumper. And that's what we'll, that's that's what we'll say. That's what we need to do. We're pretty good. We're pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Or we could say, we think we're pretty good. We think we're pretty good. We think we're pretty good. You think we're pretty good. No, we, we think we we're think we're pretty yeah, good. Yeah, nobody else thinks we're pretty good. Um, we do. And that's why we do it. So, anything else you want to talk about before we, we wrap this up? No, we, we talked about Nerdpocalypse WoW. We did talk about Nerdpocalypse WoW. Um, make sure you check them out. And check out all the other great shows on the Electronic Media Collective, our network that we are a part of. Um, yeah. Uh, other than that, I don't think we really have anything coming up anytime soon. No, we, hopefully we don't take, we, are, we should be back on schedule. Well, maybe not because well, <laughs> because we got a movie coming up that we're yeah. working on. So, yeah, August might be rough. Yeah. <laughs> but I think, I, I think most Sundays are free. But, uh, yeah, we, we signed on. We can't really talk a lot about it, but we signed on to do uh, special effects and makeup in a pretty uh, pretty big movie that you know at least locally here it's gonna yeah. be huge and uh, I, I have a small role in it but uh, uh, I don't act so I don't do roles yeah, yeah so but you do good makeup and you do good special effects and you are a wonderful helper on the the sets yeah 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 so very very what what they call a good hand so uh, you'll hear more about that but as a result of us working on that because it's a very rushed schedule, it's a lot of shoots in a month, one month t- time period. Oh fuck! Um, so you might, we might miss some stuff, but we're gonna try not. We'll to. do our best. We'll do our best. We'll do, we're gonna do our best to stay that, on schedule because we're pretty good. That could be another tagline. Retro Renegades Pop Culture Power. We do our best. I like that one too. Yeah, that's so. Yeah, see, you know that's a good one right there. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Hey, we do our best. We'll save that for the, uh, for the Patreon. Patreon page or whatever we yeah we, we, we start our, our yeah, OnlyFans or whatever OnlyFan so any, anything else no all right well for the retro running it's pop culture power I'm Mikey I'm Corey we'll see you next time say goodbye Corey goodbye Corey hey Corey huh you're pretty good you're pretty good yeah I do my best.
never said I was a victim of circumstance I still belong This is my 